You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42 Cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I'm your host, Nathan, and we have another great episode lined up for you where we're going to talk about Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. So this episode is actually important for a few reasons. First off, we're talking about Star Wars again, and that's a great tie-in to Legendary Forces, which is the new podcast coming your way. Or actually, by the time this one posts, it might actually already be out there. So check that out. Look for that, Legendary Forces, where we're going to look through all of Star Wars media, all Star Wars fictional media, I should say, from the very beginning, from 1970, well, 1976, actually, onwards, because the novelization for the first movie actually came out in 1976 and discuss it and discuss whether or not it's worth people checking out and all that kind of stuff. So that's a lot of fun. And so it's great to talk about Star Wars, kind of a tie into that. And of course, next to Doctor Who, Star Wars is my biggest fandom. So that's exciting just on the face of it. But the other thing that makes this exciting is with this episode, I'm finally caught up on movies. (laughs) It's been a long road. Certainly Ben is the person that should be thanked the most for this, because without him, there's no way this ever would have happened. Still working on catching up on the TV episode podcasts, but at least with movies, now we're caught up. So when Black Widow comes out, we'll be able to record an episode on that movie and then post it within a relatively short span of time, rather than these long delays that we've been having with recording the movie. I mean, Rise of Skywalker came out at the end of 2019, and we're just now putting that episode out there in the middle of 2021. So of course, that's way too long. I don't feel the need to be somebody that posts the review within a few days of the movie coming out, but within a few weeks, I think, (laughs) you know, is probably ideal for a movie. With TV shows, I still like the idea of posting the review of the season just before the next season drops, but we'll see how that goes once we catch up on TV shows, whether I keep with that or if I start trying to release those closer to when the season ends, but Anyway, all that aside, Beth and I still doing okay here. We're both fully vaccinated now. I'm excited because now they're saying that children down to 12 years old can get vaccinated, so my oldest child can get vaccinated. So try to create that bubble around our house, protect my younger child who is still too young to be vaccinated, at least at this point, and do what we can on that score. So that's good. Yes, and and today, actually, as I'm recording, this is the day when the CDC said that it's okay for unvaccinated people to go maskless. But I'm still going to wear a mask because I know I can still be a carrier and I don't want to pick something up and then give it to my kids or, you know, give it to other people or whatever who aren't vaccinated for whatever reason or haven't been fully vaccinated yet. So 
Or I could be one of the 1 in 20 because it's only a 95% effectiveness rate. So that means 5% or 1 out of every 20 people. It's not effective. So I could still get COVID. So, I mean, there's still reasons to wear a mask. And until the virus is really kind of stopped by a herd immunity and dies out mostly i don't think that it's really great to go maskless but anyway beth and i we've been watching uh warehouse 13 which is a show that we never saw before we're on the second season now and so that's going pretty well uh, otherwise we're still just watching the cw shows we're watching dragon ball super although we're getting pretty far into that and we've almost seen as of the time of this recording all of mystery science theater 3000 we only have two more episodes that we haven't seen yet and so we'll watch those over the next two weeks and then yeah we'll have seen every single episode of mystery science theater 3000 so you know what that means there's going to be a Mystery Science Theater episode in your future, so watch for that. But anyway, I'm not going to keep going on. We're going to join the podcast now already in progress. Let's meet our cast for this week. So, starting off, he is our gifted gamer. He is our dauntless dad. He is the eccentric Eric McCracken. How are you doing, Eric? I am well, and yourself? I am doing great. So, what's uh, what's new and exciting for you, Eric? Uh, well, I just started a new job on normal hours, so that's amazing. I have I've been picking up my gaming blog again, mm. and uh, slowly upgrading my computer to be able to start streaming stuff. All right, awesome, awesome. So, yeah, because you used to work a night shift, right? Yes, yes, uh, as maintenance, and now I'm working days in a programming field, so. Very stoked about that. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Yeah, so, um, Serge, you're getting some gaming done, and not that any of it means anything to me because I never have time to, to play anything, but uh, what what are you playing these days? I've been spending a lot of times with, or a lot of time with uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses. Okay. It's, it's kind of a Final Fantasy Tactics-ish game mm. uh, with the interesting twist that uh, the units have permadeath. So, like, if you lose a unit in combat, you lose them forever. So, mm. adds a nice kind of stress to the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's, well, I mean, it's a strategy game, right? So, you know. Oh, oh yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, knowing that you can't bring back a unit is uh, is important. So, all right. Uh, watched anything uh, recently, or are you uh, mostly spending time gaming? Uh, mo- most of my downtime goes to gaming. Uh-huh. and. Uh, and even then, it's split half between playing and, you know, writing about it. Mm. Gotcha. All right. Well, it is good to have you back on the show. I think it's, I mean, it was like Voltron. When Voltron ended, I think, was the last time we had you on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, either Voltron or uh, Iron Fist, whichever one ended. No, it was, it was Voltron, definitely. Okay. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, cool deal, Eric. Uh, it's good to have you back on the show. Good to be here. All right, next up, she is that magnificent mom. She is that pleasant princess, and that is awesome Angie Patrizo. How are you doing, Angie? Good. I did not expect to go second. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you, you always want to be as, like, under the radar as possible. <laughs> I think, I don't know. I think I was just, just expecting to go last, but oh, Ryan's okay. here, so. I guess I shouldn't have expected that. You need to work out those sorts of things ahead of time if you have a particular expectation. Yep, sorry, I feel (laughs) hurt. 
<laughs> oh, at least you weren't like shoving something in your mouth or something like as I introduced you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but um, so so how are you doing? Uh, I'm I'm good. I uh, I just got a promotion at work right in time to be in charge of an audit. So um, I've been working a lot. <laughs> well, I know those feels. Yeah. So I mean. But uh, but at least you get uh, like more pay and all that good stuff, right? Yeah, uh, I think though they knew that if they tried to make me do this without a promotion, I would be leaving. So mm. <clears throat> it's, uh, it's it's been a fun month. Well, that's good because I mean sometimes companies don't even uh, don't don't realize that and they just give you the more work and then the you know people leave. So you know. But yeah, so have you had any time for anything for yourself, or has it pretty much just been work, work, work? Um, it's pretty much just been work. My husband bought us the Untitled Goose game for New Year's, so <laughs> yeah. I, I did have to beat that. Um, <laughs> kind of abuse a quaint British town for a little while. Uh, but other, yeah, other I've seen that, videos of that game, so yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> even though I'm not really plugged into the gaming scene these days, I do. I am aware of that one. Um, I would suggest it. It's it's a it's an indie game, so it's a pretty mm. quick playthrough, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> nice um have you had any chance to watch runaways no no (laughs) (laughs) you disappoint me angie i'm so sorry (laughs) failing at every level today (laughs) oh i'm sorry all right well it's good to have you back i'm glad you were at least able to watch star wars so we can talk about it so yep for sure i wouldn't miss it (laughs) let's get to have you back on all right next up it is that noteworthy knitter, the captivating cosplayer, and that is Jubilant Juliet. How are you doing, Juliet? I am awesome. <laughs> I just think about the fact you always take those pictures with the big grin on your face, so, you know. That's exactly what my face was doing when I said that. All right. <laughs> so, so, yeah, what's been going on for you? Um, I survived insanity at work by being the only person in my department for 10 weeks, carrying all the load of what should have been at least three people mm. without cracking. That's, um, that's well, I would say that's good, but it's not good that you were in that situation. It's good that you didn't crack. I'm very proud of my ability to have managed that. Uh, I, I got a PS4 for Christmas, so mm. I'm finally coming uh, back into the realm of updated gaming. It's very weird for me to put a game into a system and have to wait for 40 minutes for it to provide updates. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I found the new fandom to become obsessed with. Oh, what's that? I discovered The Expanse. Oh, okay. I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it yet. I binged watched three seasons uh, right before Thanksgiving and then found out the fourth season was coming out just after Thanksgiving. So that was great. And then I ran out of episodes and had to start reading the books. And I'm about a quarter of the way into the third book. And it's amazing. I love it. There's absolutely nothing i don't love if you love science like serious science mixed in with your sci-fi you want honest to god science this is great oh wow i didn't know they made those anymore (laughs) (laughs) so much science what's called sci-fi anymore is more sci-fantasy so that's that's interesting so it's really like hard sci-fi it really goes into it 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 talk if you want to talk about like time lag for you know they they actually discuss the lag and how it grows before you get away from something in the solar system the effects of deceleration uh, the things that you have to have in order to burn at certain G's to go for certain amounts of time and how long you can go before your system will finally just stroke out. It's amazing. Very cool. No, that, that definitely sounds like something I want to check out. Um, and you were saying before the show you're going to Japan? 
I am. I'm going to Japan with a friend for a couple of weeks, right in the middle of Cherry Blossom Festival. I've never been, so this is very exciting for me. I, I am so jealous of you. I mean, my words cannot convey how jealous <laughs> I am of you. I will talk about it all the time as soon as I get back, I promise. <laughs> yes, rub it in. That's that's fine, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's like uh, my wife's and my dream is to go to Japan someday, so, you know. And it's funny because I work for a Japanese company, but like in the role that I'm in, there's like they're never gonna like bring me over. But I I know people who get to go over on like an annual basis, and I'm jealous of all of them. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. Like my big ex- my biggest excitement, I'm gonna go see the Suicide Forest. Mm. I'm so weird, but that's where I want to go. <laughs> ah, hey, whatever does it for you. Yeah, every, God, there's so much I'd like to do in Japan. It's, it's sad. Well, if you see the giant Gundam, take a picture for me. I will. I will do that, and then I will message it to you. <laughs> All right, thanks. All right, Not at those rates. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I get free data and texting. Internationally? Yes. Wow. <laughs> All right, well, it's, it's good to have you back on the show, Juliet. Glad to be here. All right, and that final voice you heard, that is the audacious arguer, the proud Pluto hater, the rancorous Ryan Guthrie. How are you doing, Ryan? You know, I've been standing here folding my clothes. Just wondering what you, how you were going to describe me, and uh, those are acceptable. I would, yeah, 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 yeah I'm good figured. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they're all true. Uh, I'm doing fine. So, uh, so yeah, what's uh, what's new and exciting for you? Well, you know, uh, I like to think every day with me is exciting. My wife might disagree, huh. um, but basically, it's just working TV at the moment. Uh, and made it through the holidays, of course. Um, got a. Uh, what did I get exciting for Christmas? I got a, a, a smartwatch, which, you know, I think that's pretty cool. I'm one step closer to being Dick Tracy. <laughs> wow, there's a deep cut. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, anything else going on? Uh, you know, I will second. Uh, I've only seen season one, but I'll second the expanse endorsement. I, yeah, I saw season one, and then I had to wait for season two, and... I never got back around to it, and then it jumped networks. Um, but, you know, that right there, the fact that it got picked up by a different network just tells you. Got picked up by Jeff Bezos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who really wants to go to space? I wonder if he sees this as his roadmap. <laughs> what is it with you just watching first seasons of things, Ryan? Well, I mean, in, in fairness, like uh, nowadays, I'm at the point there's so much TV that I kind of almost want to wait till there's enough seasons for me to binge all at once or it's over so I can binge mm. it all at once. It's, I don't want to get into like this George R. R. Martin thing where I'm waiting <laughs> like from the first Clinton administration for the series to end. You know, <laughs> I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> That's good. I like that analogy. Yeah. No, cause I was thinking of man in the high castle too, which you've only watched the first season of. Yeah. But now like... that, now that it's ended, I, I'm going to, it's on my list to go back and finish off. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I have to watch the final season that dropped in October, I think. But uh, I've I've seen everything up to that. But all right, all right. So yeah, any you know, doing any cons or anything? Uh, it's just the usual Dragon Con. Um, yeah. I've already you don't my... do the Arizona one anymore, huh? 
Well, I'm not in Arizona anymore. I'm in Texas. So it, Phoenix, it's not, it's not even called Phoenix Comic Con anymore. It's called Phoenix Fan Fusion. And it's just, <laughs> oh, yeah. there's been a lot of. That's the fallout like, of the, uh, the Comic Con. Sorry. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Angie, Angie knows all about this story of <laughs> the San Diego Comic Con lawsuit of anything Comic Con. Yeah. San Diego to... versus Salt Lake City. Who knew San Diego would win that one? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, no, it's just like even before that, there's I don't want to bash a convention or anything um, because there's a lot a lot of my friends still go to it. Mm. But the past few years, there's just been some weird stuff going down in Phoenix that I've decided it just probably isn't worth my money. Um, to make the trip. Although my mom lives out there, so that I mean, she's probably worth it. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Guthrie, you're not worth it. <laughs> That's what your uh, son's trying to say. Fans, she won't hear this. <laughs> yeah, no, I just remember when you first moved, you were saying like you would still make it back to Phoenix yeah. for the cons, and, and yeah. And so. you know, two or three years ago, I would have, mm. but then I mean, I don't. If you ever want to do a show just on conventions, oh, the stuff between Dragon Con and Phoenix Comic Con, <laughs> oh man, the gossip I could do. <laughs> no, 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 I do want to do a show just on conventions at some point because that's the. I, yeah, I think that there's a lot to talk about with conventions that's more than just... Because every, every other show that I know talks about conventions only talks about Dragon Con. And I'm like, there's a lot more than Dragon Con, and there's a lot more to understand about the nuances of various cons. So, yes, yeah. absolutely. Anyway, so yeah, nothing but Dragon Con on the radar right now. Texas, uh, Houston has a few, like, you know, 9 to 5 on Saturday and Sunday uh, cons, which mm-hmm. I keep saying I want to check out, but they're usually... It's just a scheduling issue. They're usually like the same weekend, like as Mother's Day or, or something else that I'm doing something. So I don't know. Yeah, we'll I'm, I'm really disappointed. Milwaukee had its very first Comic-Con since I've moved here uh, this past summer, and it doesn't look like they're doing another one. So I don't know if it's just they didn't have enough turnout or whatever. Chicago's so close. You know, so I don't know. I, I mean, I guess that's the issue. So there's tons of cons in Chicago. Yeah. But like... There's almost nothing in Milwaukee. We have, like, an anime con in Milwaukee, and we have, like, a My Little Pony con, and we have a classic gaming con, and that's, like, all we really have in Milwaukee, so... Well, yeah, I mean, Houston is the fourth largest city in the country, right, Uh, by population. Mm -hmm. I am surprised it doesn't have a larger con scene, but, you know, it is what it is. Maybe it's just we're... Like in such a location, we don't we're not really a major hub for airport for airlines, so that could be part of it as well. I don't know. I'm sure there are plenty of factors, but I, I do notice this kind of vibe among con goers to uh, to kind of enjoy when another con fails, like another dash con or something like that. Right, right. Yeah, so you know that's I think a factor as well. There are just so many cons out there that it's it's a, a competitive sport now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll have like the one day, like the Saturday only or the Sunday only cons, but it's just dealers basically. Yeah. Like they'll get like one local guest or something, and it's like, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to go to that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my first criteria when I check a con is if they do different tiers of membership so that you can mm-hmm. get autographs faster and be at the front of the line. That's already a turnoff for me. Mm-hmm. It tells me it's more about the money than it is the um, com- camaraderie, you know, the fandom. 
Yeah, I'm really disappointed that we're not doing the, the well, they called it Wisconsin Comic Convention, because you can't say Comic-Con, right? And there's already the Milwaukee Comic-Cons are the one-day ones. Um, so it was co- Wisconsin Comic Convention. But they had, like, some great A-list type guests. I mean, like, I got to meet Nichelle Nichols. You know, they had Carrie Ewells. They had a bunch of the Power Rangers. They had, you know, a bunch of writers. Like, I met Michael Stackpole and, you know, a few of the, you know, other Star Wars writers and stuff. So, yeah, I was really disappointed that... Uh, you know, they're not going to do that again. So, I, I, you know, I'll let us move on. But I have to say, Michael Stackpole, he lives in Phoenix. And mm. so he, he would do all the local Phoenix cons. And he'd also do Dragon Con. And my wife and I, we would go. We, we, we attended his writing workshop. We, yeah, I mm-hmm. listened to him talk. I got into an argument with him about um, whether or not Han Solo is a good guy or a bad guy. Um, <laughs> but, which, you know, there you go. Roll, roll what did I this, say right? that arguer? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well-named arguer. But um, it got to the point where he thought my wife was stalking him because he'd see her at various cons. Um, you know, he'd, she'd be in Atlanta suddenly, and he was there walking down the hallway. And I'd see the look he'd give her, you know, like both of us, but like mainly her because I, I don't know. It's like, it's like a, <laughs> wait, do I know her? Is she following me? And then kind of like a fear almost, you know. <laughs> what is it with you and convention guests where you have like these horrible things? It's like I just saw the I just saw the news bite about Lou Ferrigno becoming yeah. a sheriff's deputy, and I was like, oh, Ryan, better not go to that town in New Mexico. He's gonna have <laughs> yeah. trouble. <laughs> yeah, I'm avoiding New Mexico now. It's off my list. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh man <laughs> oh well you just piss off the guests like you piss off everybody else so you know it's at least you're fair with everybody <laughs> well you know at least i'm not forgettable right <laughs> all right well um it, it is certainly a thing to have you back on the podcast ryan thank you good to be back <laughs> all right so uh <laughs> You know what time it is. It's time for our five-minute controversy. And that's where we talk about something that's going on in the geekosphere as a way of just kind of like loosening us up a little before we talk about the main topic and also giving you, the listener, a way to judge us. So <laughs> the thing that I wanted to talk about and sort of apropos to what we're discussing today is um, Kathleen Kennedy uh, in an interview um, this <laughs> said that it's 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 really hard making Star Wars movies because there's no material to adapt. There's no comics. There's no novels. Um, so a lot of people thought that that was kind of interesting. <laughs> so I'm kind of curious about uh, people's thoughts about about that statement, seeing as how there's you know literally decades worth of both comics and novels um, of Star Wars. So. Um, Let's start with you on this one, Ryan. Do you think that that's a fair assertion for Kathleen Kennedy to make? Uh, fair? No. Uh, I, I kind of get the point she was trying to make, but she stumbled over it. And I, yeah, between the expanded universe and I think just about every publishing house has had uh, Star Wars comic books at some point in time. Mm-hmm. Um there's plenty out there. Does it have the cultural resonance as Spider-Man or Superman? You know, has it been around since, you know, long enough to have Luke Skywalker punch Hitler in the face? No, but it, there's still plenty of material out there for them to mine. It's just they decided that they didn't want it. And to be fair, a lot of the EU is crap, but um, a lot of it is great. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you say something so brave yet controversial? <laughs> oh, you you haven't met Ryan yet, have you, Eric? I like to live on the edge. That's his raisin d'etre. Uh, 
you you have no idea how brave I am on the internet. You know? <laughs> okay. All right. So um so Angie, any thoughts on this? I mean, yeah, I really wanted this article to be clickbait. Like, I was thinking maybe she was talking about like the stories from the extended universe, a lot of them just don't lend themselves well to a two, two and a half hour film. You know, I, I wanted it to not be true, um, but it is. And I don't even know what to say about that. Like, I don't, I'm, I'm puzzled by the assertion. Um, and I'm, I'm not even really sure what she was getting at from the context. Um, you know, I, I do think it's a fair criticism to say you know, the extended universe, there's lots of material there, but in terms of stories that really would translate well to a film and would not be ripped apart for their differences from the source material, I could see that being an issue and, and maybe taking the little easier way of just generating a whole new story so there's not a lot of baggage with how people feel about the originals. Um, but that's that's all I can give her. I don't understand the sentiment. <laughs> you see, Angie, it is true from a certain point of view. No, it's not sand. <laughs> all right, uh, Eric, what do you think about this? Well, like, uh, uh, obviously she was going for, you know, nothing is canon anymore. Right. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Uh, you know, blame Disney. You know, like they had uh, years and years of stuff that they could have used, that they could have adapted, but Disney wanted to do their own thing, and and Disney owns the boat. You know, sail or get off. Yeah. All right. So, Juliet, I, I saved you for last for a reason. So, <laughs> <laughs> why don't you jump in here, Juliet, and share your thoughts about uh, about Kathleen Kennedy's statement here? Well, I have a very adult response to this. Okay. <laughs> That's what I have to say about that. Okay. Um, well, no, there is... I, I get that a lot of the expanded universe, um, they can't actually add, adapt at this point because of the time that has passed and the age of the actors and so on like that. In order to adapt what they what is in the expanded universe, you have to go way on out there to the like the far end of the books. Even at this point, like fate of the Jedi at this point mm. but you can't go with that unless people have the background of like the Thrawn trilogy and so on like that which they wouldn't have had so I sort of understand it but again <laughs> they, however thank, thank everything that they're fine that they allowed Thrawn to be brought back into the new canon I've, I got my fingers crossed for more awesome characters including a specific one that I really want to see <laughs> She's going to be a hard one to work in with as much as they've changed. But, I know. Yeah. But no, I agree with you. I, I I was really hoping for a mention in Last Jedi, and, and we didn't get it. And yeah. Well, but. I mean, there's always the hope that they might, I mean, Luke, you know, we're talking spoilers at this point, that, that they might mention in a book that will be written at some point now, because they'll mm -hmm. allow it, that maybe he did have a relationship with Mara at some point. It would be mm -hmm. kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so my sort, my thinking on this is kind of twofold. First off, wah, you know, like, cause, cause all right, so let's just take it at face value, right? Let's say really, literally, there is nothing they can adapt. You have three movies that were cultural touchstones that everyone, lo or most everyone loves, you know, to, to build on. 
you know, that's better than most other franchises have, right? I mean, most franchises have to start from nothing. So you've already been given something to start from, you know, build on that. My, but my second response is, is going to what she said specifically, is that, all right, so first of all, no one said anything has to be a word-for-word, one-to-one translation of any of the comics or novels. So, like, the point you were making, Juliet, you know, about how they couldn't do, like, say, Heir to the Empire because the actors were too old even when they started, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, you know, but the fact of the matter is... An adaptation is an adaptation. All the movies that Marvel is making, none of them are just like any of the comic books. You know, like, they've changed lots of details, they've moved things around, whatever. So an adaptation is just that. You can take ideas from the novels, ideas from the comics, and mix them into, you know, a a movie that you're making and do that sort of thing. So, you know... Could you do it with an older cast? You probably could take some of those stories and do it with an older cast, just change some of the details around, you know, stuff like that. So I, I feel like I feel like in the I feel like that's Kathleen Kennedy basically just saying she's not creative enough to deal with what she's been given. Because someone like Kevin Feige, I feel like, who respects the material, the source material, could have possibly adapted existing material into something that made sense for a modern audience and didn't necessarily mean you had to read the comics and novels to understand what was going on. You could completely take it fresh, but used a lot of elements from the existing uh, stuff. So, yeah, I, I, I kind of boggled at that statement because it's... <sighs> there's so much. And to say that none of it's usable and that, you know, you're struggling where, like, a Lord of the Rings or a Marvel doesn't have to is is just ridiculous so well it does go back to what was said earlier you can't adapt any of the expanded universe in a way like that without seriously pissing off a good portion of the internet like probably more than is already upset you know and that's a good count that's that's probably the best counterpoint but but those are the same people that are pissed off that you got rid of the eu at all so i mean like you're not gonna win with them anyway they're star wars fans they're gonna be pissed off (laughs) 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 but but to say there's nothing that you can mine is i think ridiculous on her end Um, it is yeah so all right so wow that's another one that we all agreed with um i shouldn't have been too surprised at that but uh you know um yeah i I, god anyway all right so (laughs) moving right along from that uh let's pause for a moment for this promo from another fine podcast Time to grab your pillow and join the Geek Father in Little Bit for discussions on current, nostalgic, and speculative happenings in pop culture. Nerd news, fandom histories, deep dive discussions, reviews, and more. It's like listening to your closest friends have a nerdy conversation. So sit back, relax, and let the Blurred Nerds podcast embrace you with their warm, goofy goodness. It's nerd goals for your ear holes, right here on the ESO Network. And we're back. And like I talked about at the top of the show, we are talking about Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. Um, you know, this is the third of the new trilogy. 
that they're calling now with all three trilogies together the Skywalker Saga, although I've heard people make the argument that it really should be called the Palpatine Saga. Um, <laughs> we'll get into that a little bit, I think, later. Um, so, yeah, I mean, first off, before we even start talking about Rise of Skywalker, because Juliet's the only person that was on the uh, podcast that's with us today that um, was on the show to talk about Last Jedi... I would really like to know everyone's position on Last Jedi before we talk about Rise of Skywalker, because I'm curious how much of that informs your opinion of Rise of Skywalker specifically. So um, let's not go too far off into, you know, talking about Rise of Skywalker or Last Jedi, but uh, if you could just, you know, in a few sentences sort of summarize how you felt about it. So um, let's start with you, Angie. Um, Last Jedi was, I think, a pretty mediocre film. Um, I really appreciated some of the concepts and and ideas that got uh, brought up and developed a little bit. Um, I am always a huge defender of um, showing what happens to our superheroes after really traumatic events. That said, uh, I felt like just narratively pacing wise editing that movie was a hot mess and um i did not really enjoy watching it uh i tried rewatching it a month or two ago and couldn't get through it and um rewatched it after i watched rise of skywalker and saw the internet exclaiming about how good last jedi was because i was confused and scared and i <laughs> didn't like it any better this time <laughs> so yeah uh middling film neat concepts really pretty <laughs> So, so wait, were you confused and scared by the internet's reaction, or were you confused and scared by the movie? I was confused and scared about how many people were coming out of the woodwork to profess how great Last Jedi was. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't. Okay. <laughs> All right, so, um, Ryan, what were your thoughts on Last Jedi? <laughs> well, we're going to fight, clearly. Right. Um, <laughs> Uh, first off, you should always be afraid of what the internet's reaction to anything. You know? That's a given right there. You know? But uh, in regard specifically to The Last Jedi, I would put it fourth or fifth uh, favorite uh, Star Wars movie. Um, definitely top five. Uh, it, I, I will always reward taking creative risks, even if they don't always pan out. But in this instance, I think most of them did. I, I feel like... Um, uh, Ryan Johnson took some made went original. He was he was given the helm of a uh, Star Wars, uh, this massive franchise after J.J. Abrams played it so safe, and he decided he was going to try some new stuff. And uh, I feel like most of uh, the swings he took uh, hit. Um, yeah, it wasn't perfect. That's why it's, you know fourth or fifth and not one or two. But I also think that Star Wars is an odd franchise uh, to begin with. So I, I can get where, why, how you can love Star Wars and this not be your Star Wars. Okay. And uh, Eric, how did you feel about Last Jedi? Well, uh, it's difficult for me to put into words or, or, and talk about it in it of itself. Like the best way that I can describe uh Last Jedi is going back to The Force Awakens. Mm. When The Force Awakens ended, I walked out of the theater with my wife and we talked about the movie for a long time. 
we sat down and watched lore videos for months. We hypothesized about, you know, like how, you know, who these characters were, what they meant, what was going on. Like for like for literal months, we talked about this. Last Jedi ended, and we just kind of like, huh, okay. We went home. We didn't talk about it. We didn't have any questions. We didn't have any speculations. Like there was, like I honestly feel that the Last Jedi was the end of the saga. Oh, like it, 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 it wrapped up everything. There wasn't anything left over. Uh, it even kind of ended on that quasi happy note with the little kid and the. At, uh, force pulling the broom to himself like it really kind of felt like like okay this was the end and they really hammered home that point that let the past go you know like like so many times that concept was brought up in the movie that it was like okay well the star wars saga is is over now they're going to do their own thing in the future and it's not going to have anything to do with the past which i came to terms with you know. Looking at it in a vacuum, it was an okay movie. Uh, I wouldn't watch it again, and I haven't, but I, I don't regret seeing it. So you think that, you know, like the next movie should have been something like Rise of the Broom Boy? Like, I honestly feel that they should have started a new saga with the ninth movie. You know, don't call it Episode Nine, because everything ended in episode eight mm, mm. yeah so they could have taken the the broom boy and made a movie about it <laughs> you know you know broom boy or the ray saga or right. you know, yeah. okay weird, weird muppets doing funny things the movie oh no that's that's called farscape that was made <laughs> all right all right um so juliet just as a reminder or for people who had, didn't um, here the uh, the last Jedi uh, episode uh, just briefly what were your thoughts on the movie I really enjoyed it I was kind of awed by it the first time I saw it I was very emotionally raw by the end of it which is where I felt I needed to be at the end of the second movie in a trilogy and I've rewatched it several times since I have defended it to friends and in person and on the internet that I felt it was a fantastic take on luke's own journey it may not have been the one i was used to in the expanded universe but it gave me a different perspective on him and i was very pleased with it yeah i remember saying when we talked about it that um you know it is definitely not the story i would have told if i had been told to write the sequel for the force awakens but that's also why i loved it because with most movies i can sit down at the beginning of the movie and say, this is what's going to happen. I mean, one of the things, one of the things that annoys people when they tell me that like Memento is one of the greatest movies ever is when I sat down before I even saw the movie, just heard the basic concept and said, he's the one that killed his wife. <laughs> you know, I was like, that's, that's because, you know, a movie like that, there's no reason doing it unless it's weird like that. Right. And so, you know, I can usually predict a movie and last Jedi kept subverting my expectations. I was like, this is going to happen. Oh, they, they didn't do that. Oh, that's interesting. 
oh, well, this is going to, oh, no, they, they didn't do that. And so, like, I really enjoyed it because it surprised me so many times. There were some things I didn't like. I felt like the whole casino thing, Canto Bite, was, like, way too long. And sometimes the cuts between what people were doing in different places were kind of choppy and disjointed and stuff. So I don't think it feel like it was put together the best that it could have been. But I really enjoyed the fact that it subverted so many expectations and made it a movie that was enjoyable to watch because I couldn't tell what was coming next. So that was kind of how I came to it. Um, so I enjoyed the experience of watching the movie. So with that behind us, let's talk about Rise of Skywalker because, um, you know, I mean, it's J.J. Abrams coming back to the movie after um, Colin Trevorrow um, was originally attached to direct... Um, but had too many uh, issues, apparently, creatively with trying to hatch out his vision. I know one of the things that I heard was that he was really upset about killing off Luke in Last Jedi and was trying to argue that they shouldn't, you know, do that. And so, um, but that's the only thing I've heard as far as specifics of what the actual, like, arguments were. Um, so, uh, so we have Abrams back on Rise of Skywalker. And, you know, one of the things that I felt just watching the movie is that... Seeing Rise of Skywalker the way that we got it, I wish that either J.J. Abrams had done all three movies or had done, or Ryan Johnson had at least been able to do episode nine as well as episode eight or done all three because I felt like there was narrative whiplash. I felt like we went one direction with Rise of Skywalker or with Last Jedi and now we're going a completely different direction with Rise of Skywalker and that made me feel worse about Rise of Skywalker just because it seemed like a lot of it was just saying like we're spending a lot of time here just to retcon Last Jedi um, so just kind of curious about just, just again overall views on Rise of Skywalker did you feel that sort of narrative whiplash Oh, did, did you like the direction that it went? Um, so this time, let's start with you, Eric. Uh, well, like I kind of talked about it a little bit in the last question, but I mm -hmm. really felt disconnect between uh, episode nine and the other eight. Now, mm -hmm. I, at, like, as its own standalone movie, it was fine. I didn't have any problems with it. I probably would watch it again, but I, it... Like to call it the end of the saga, though, like I like I legitimately feel like it didn't really add anything to the saga. It just wrapped up its own issues. Yeah, you know, as a standalone mm. movie, it's fine. But as the end all, or as the end of everything that we've been building up to, I was pretty disappointed. Yeah, I mean, I guess I should be more specific in what I was talking about. It's like, we go through Last Jedi, where the whole movie is telling us the past doesn't matter, right? Let the past go. It's what's now that matters. And all of Rise of Skywalker was about legacy, right? It was like, no, legacy, legacy, legacy. This is the Jedi and the Sith like it's always been. It's going back thousands of years, you know. This is this is all part of this this vast legacy. And it felt like such a turnaround, such a 180 from Last Jedi. And that upset... Whereas, I, if Last Jedi hadn't existed, I don't think I would have had a problem with it. But it just, like... It felt like... I felt like I wasted my time with, with one of these movies. And that's kind of, like, the issue that I had. You know, the strongest issue that I feel 
Um, that that it seems to me almost like it's 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 a criticism. I mean, it's it's really a criticism of Disney that they knew they were making three movies. And if they knew they were making three movies, why weren't they plotted out better ahead of time to make a trilogy that actually made sense as a trilogy rather than having basically two writers bashing each other over the heads being like, no, <laughs> you know, that's not what happened. This is what happened. Oh, no, I'm going to take it back. And now mm, this is what happened. I don't care what you said, you know, like uh, I feel like I'm in the middle of like this little spat and it just made the story less enjoyable. Right, like, and I kind of got the feeling too that um, uh, they, like, they took a stand with episode eight and, like, okay, yeah, this is the end of everything, and and let go of the past. We're doing our own thing going forward, and then they got the backlash from the Star Wars community, mm-hmm. and they, and then they were really like, well, you know, we kind of need all of the old fat nerds that are mad at this movie to help float the cost of it and the direction we're going isn't going to pull in the movie. So then they had to backpedal hard mm. and, and, you know, you know, to bring in that crowd again. And I, uh, I don't know. It didn't, it didn't work for me. Ryan thoughts on the narrative whiplash effect. Well, first off, I'm not old, so I, I don't know <laughs> what that whole criticism was about, you know? Um, no, I didn't have any backlash uh, uh, feeling. I mean, once I got past the opening scroll where I've, where you know Palpatine's back and been back, and I was like, oh, okay, so we're not even going to do a reveal. <laughs> okay, well, well, that's well, that's another like that's another part where it was just like it felt like this movie was trying to set up things that should have been set up in the previous movie because they spent so much time just trying to set up something new that wasn't even alluded to in any of the previous stuff. Uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, there was certain. A large amount of whiplash to an extent, but I don't think it's any more whiplash than is normal for Star Wars trilogies. Um, you're going to tell me going between you know New Hope and Empire and Return of the Jedi that entire plot lines and characters weren't thrown away and rewritten? Of course they were. Uh, you know, th- if if no way Leia would have kissed Luke if she was always intended to be you know, his sister. <laughs> it just wouldn't have happened, you know? And same thing, Jar Jar was supposed to be... I don't know, out. did George Lucas ever spend any time in the Deep South? Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I can't speak to that, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm gonna... Unless the Deep South of Tatooine, you know, uh, it's the same. <laughs> uh, I don't know, maybe Sky, Jedi are like Egyptian pharaohs? I don't know. You know? <laughs> But you know, and and the the he at the same time he tried and failed to, you know, shift uh, course with the prequel trilogy with Jar Jar and with the Trade Federation and and everything. But, but, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, Ryan. And, and here's where I'm going to say they're different. There was no guarantee going into A New Hope that there were going to be two more movies. With these, they actually had dates scheduled for all three movies. So, to me, the notion that they should have plotted out all three movies ahead of time is not, I think, as, you know, big a deal as saying, like, when you're doing the first movie in a series, you know, and you and you don't even know if you're going to get a green light for a second one to have it all plotted out ahead of time. I, I will give you New Hope to Empire. But after that, no, they knew they were gonna. You're, they, you did not end Empire Strikes Back like that without being pretty confident you're gonna get uh, a follow up, um, mm. and, and so forth. And 
same and and obvious in the prequel trilogy, everyone knew those all three of those were going to happen. So yeah, I I don't th- I don't buy too much. What was the argument. switch on the on the prequel trilogy? Because I mean, it's all badly written, but I mean, I don't recall there being any kind of narrative whiplash in that. It's, yeah, may, yeah. Okay, I to be completely fair. Pretty fast. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, but that's not a that's change not, from yeah. anything. No, that, but Jar Jar was definitely yeah. changed. Um, he was, you know, going to be the breakout character uh, and Phantom Menace, right, and but, we see how that. Went but over. nothing was actually changed. He was just had a smaller role in the other two movies, so it's not like it's an actual change of anything well, that we you, knew before. It's valid. I, to be fair, putting me on the spot like this, I should have gone back and rewatched the prequels so I could answer this uh, correctly. <laughs> I but that was going to happen. That was necessary. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I don't think that's ever going to be necessary. Yeah, I, I, I'm not into cruel and unusual punishment here. <laughs> so I Wait, did they ever mention midi chlorians again in the thank prequels? Thank God! No. no, they did Trilogy, not. After the prequels, no. You know? So, yeah, yeah, even in between trilogies, there's been whiplash as well in that respect, you know? But um, No, no, because they've never said they don't exist. They just haven't mentioned them. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but to The Rise of Skywalker as a whole. I, I will say here that I don't give J.J. Abrams enough credit a lot of the time. Um, I went into this with very low expectations, and I feel like he did a good job of keeping that whiplash to a minimum for Redcon. I'm sorry, I just expected you to go like, I came into this with very low expectations, and he met them. <laughs> he exceeded my low expectations. <laughs> That's the best backhanded compliment yeah. ever. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, considering what he had to do, the whiplash was probably, with respect to how much retconning was done, was uh, understandable. Okay. That makes sense. Understandable based on, on, on what? The, the amount of retconning that he did. Okay. I mean, going from Last Jedi to The Rise of Skywalker and basically tossing out half of The Last Jedi, um, the, the, the amount of whiplash is understandable. Because to satisfy like people who are mad, is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, it's understandable? yeah. Fact, the whiplash, what he did, I didn't hate it. <laughs> okay, um, Juliet, how did you feel about Rise of Skywalker after uh, Last Jedi? And did you feel like it was sort of like disjointed from the other movie? I, I did not. In fact, as you guys are talking, I'm sitting over here making notes so I don't forget the points I want to reiterate. <laughs> I didn't feel like there was narrative whiplash. I didn't feel like there was any retconning. I felt like they took certain points from The Last Jedi and pointed them back out again. For instance, um, we like a lot of people commented on Luke taking the lightsaber and t- grabbing the lightsaber uh, and handing it back to Rey and being like, "You should, you should treat." the Jedi's weapon more, you know, with more respect. And people are like, oh, you know, that's, that's retconning what he did in the be- in the last Jedi when he threw it over his shoulder. And I'm like, no, he's, he's saying he was wrong. And that's Luke admitting he was wrong about that. And he's starting to say that. Things like that. Uh, you talked about legacy and how, and letting the past die and how these were huge themes of the last Jedi. Well, they still are in Rise of Skywalker. For instance, um, like Kylo Ren, that past had to die in order for us to have Ben. Um, Ray's parentage, you know, and, and the reveal of that about how she has to learn that her legacy by blood doesn't matter. That past also has to die. The whole past with, Pal- with Palpatine and all of that has to die. And she can then choose her own personal legacy. I think that that's still very much in that theme. It's not retconned at all for me. 
Like even the whole, I don't even think having the emperor resurrected was that weird because I'd always thought Snoke kind of looked like him and had similar mannerisms. And I felt like, are we getting a clone of the emperor? Are we going like dark empire here? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's the least, I mean, yeah, I mean, I feel like that was, I feel like they took the, like, Abrams took the least interesting route with Wise of Skywalker, because those were all predictable things, right? As soon as I knew the Emperor was back, I was like, oh, that's who Rey's descended from. You know, like, I knew, like, that was where they were going with it, and, oh, you know, like, so Snoke was just, you know, another phantom menace, because we know Palpatine likes those, right. right? You know, like, I create this thing over here while I'm doing this thing over here, and it was just kind of like, that to me, like, just led to a bunch of boring reveals while I waited for the movie to sort of, like, let them out, you know, while I was just sort of sitting there going, yeah, I know that, let's move on to something else. It did make me wonder if they were bringing in part of the EU. I mean, everybody's like, wait, who did he have sex with in order to have a, in order to have progeny to be able to create Ray? And I'm like, we had, in the EU, he had concubines. Mm. It's kind of creepy to think about, but he had them. Right, right, right. No, I know. Um, yeah, I mean, they didn't go the clone route, of course, because we see that he's actually like damaged from being in the Death Star and whatnot. But I don't really care about that. I mean, yeah, I mean, he can use the Force. He figured out some way of staying. I mean, that's all hand wavy. You know, like, whatever, he's still alive, that's fine. Like I said, I, I just would have felt like narratively, because, because it's clear, I mean, we know because people have said this even, but also just from watching the movies, it feels like this, they never planned to have Palpatine back. In fact, the Trevoros, the script, you know, doesn't have Palpatine as anything more than a hologram at one point. You know, so we know that that was never a planned thing, that that's something that they just made up you know, like, on the spot. And that's what it just kind of feels like to me, that it's just like, I would have preferred... Oh, I mean, I don't want to get ahead of myself because everybody hasn't had a chance to talk yet. Angie, what do you... Um, how did you feel about Rise of Skywalker after Last Jedi? Um, I really enjoyed it while I was watching it. Um, and, you know, I, I had a good time. Um, thinking about it afterwards, I, I had a couple more issues than I did while I was um, in the theater, but I really enjoyed watching it. I'm really surprised to hear you talk about feeling whiplash. I didn't feel whiplash between Last Jedi and um, Rise of Skywalker. I felt massive whiplash between Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, like to the point where I was kind of offended by some of it. I, I feel like it seemed like J.J. Abrams kind of made an effort to at least address some of the things from The Last Jedi and kind of smooth them into his narrative. But when I, watching The Last Jedi, I just felt like that felt more like whiplash to me than the other way around. And to be totally honest, I do, I agree with Juliet. I think legacy was the point of the entire trilogy. Um, you think about it at the beginning, Ray's waiting for her parents to come and get her, and there's this whole idea of who she is and where she comes from, and all these characters. Maz Kanata is another one that just got a terrible treatment in The Last Jedi. Um, the, 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 the question is, like, who am I? Where's my place in this? I'm looking for meaning. The only other point that I really wanted to make that um, you had brought up earlier about this whole part about killing the past and the past needs to die, that sort of thing, that's true, but think about who was saying that in The Last Jedi. The, the villains, right? Kylo Ren oh, wants no. her to kill Luke her Luke Skywalker Luke said it as well. Skywalker <laughs> had PTSD trauma um, saying that the Jedi needed to die. 
Um, I, I really think, you know, Ray's got these people, one who she respects, one who, well, both who I think she grudgingly respects, are telling her that the past doesn't matter. And it turns out that it, it does matter in that she needs to understand it and choose her own way, which is what happens in The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, I, I, I oh God. All right. Yeah, let's, let's, let's unpack some of this. <laughs> <laughs> Because, yeah, I mean, I really expected after Last Jedi that we were getting rid of the whole, because, I mean, I, I never liked the notion that, that Rey was the Last Jedi, Luke was the Last Jedi, and Rey was going to be something new. You know, we're, we're leaving the past behind, you know, and we're not going to do this this Sith Jedi thing anymore. And that's that's what I really expected to happen out of it. And I still feel like Rise of Skywalker is very paint-by-numbers you know, and, you know, there wasn't a whole lot. I mean, it's basically like, oh, you know, let's make sure that we, you know, do all these little beats that were in the original trilogy just to make sure that we've, you know, referenced those beats. And while I get that Star Wars has done that before, I was hoping that with the sequel trilogy that we were going to do, you know, more that was different. So, um, all right, so let's talk about, let's talk about Kylo Ren. Um because that's something where, you know, one of the things that I kind of, you know, liked about the first two movies was this idea of instead of seeing like, you know, like a Vader story, which was, you know, the path to hell is paved with good intentions. You know, a man that's slowly corrupted as he, you know, tries to do like what he thinks will be helping someone, but then starts taking all these wrong steps, which... It was handed, ha handled ham-fistedly, but at least that was the, you know, direction. So you understand how he can be redeemed. The idea of Kylo Ren or, you know, is of someone who has looked at the past with the benefit of hindsight, knowing all the bad stuff that came from the Empire, and was like, I want that. I want to be that. I want to do that. And was basically someone who, you know, just killed his dad just because somebody told him, that's how you prove to me that you're a bad guy. You know, and so... You know, we're looking at a figure that chose evil for evil's sake rather than doing evil things for what he thought was a good intention. I feel like the whole redemption of Kylo Ren is one of the, one of the worst parts of this movie. I wanted to see Rey versus Kylo Ren and the sort of bringing back the Emperor got in the way of that and made it where, oh, it's, you know, we'll just hand wave him, you know, back to the good side because his mom dies trying to talk to him. You know, and that was one of the things that I, and it's sad because the, the relationship between Ray and Ben as a sort of like a tragic one of them just sort of like them both wanting the other one in their life, but them both taking different paths was one of the strongest things about the movie, both movies to me. And it was the one through line that I think Abrams really took from Last Jedi was that relationship. And then, like, about midway through the movie, it suddenly takes this turn that I felt like, oh, really, are we really going to redeem him? Seriously? Uh, and so I, I found that somewhat painful. But I, I, <laughs> I'm curious because everybody else seems to have really liked this one. So, um, so, so Juliet, the redemption of Kylo Ren. How did you feel about it? Totally one of my favorite parts of the movie. Okay. <laughs> Poor Finn. Okay. All right, first off. I, I love I, all the memes that are like, you know, like Finn, like staring, watching like two people making out. And it says like, you know, Kylo Ren and, and Ray, And then like Finn's some person like crying in the corner. Okay. That part I didn't care so much about. But I honestly thought that this movie helped make a lot of sense about certain things. Um, you know, 
Ben, he was, he had the emperor. We now know it was the emperor completely whispering in his head, kind of influencing him throughout all the time he was training with Luke, which also goes to explain Luke's momentary slip of control. Like the, he, I'm sure he felt the emperor, whether he knew it or not, that that's the influence that was being exerted. I would have also lost control for fear of losing everybody I loved. I can't blame Luke for that. I think it helps explain a lot about him. But with Kylo, when he became Kylo Ren, I feel like it was him turning away from everything he felt had just betrayed him. Like the person he trusted the most betrayed him. And he didn't even know really why at that point. So he just lost it. He went on the world's biggest temper tantrum ever. Better than his grandfather's temper tantrum, I have to say. But see, there's a lot of supposition there because we don't know how he was behaving before that night with Luke. So to say, like, there was no, like, suddenly somebody just turned on him, we don't know for sure if the, if he, like, that that's the case. We do know that Luke said that he had felt Snoke's, in, that they, well, and Luke, Leia, all of them had felt, had said that there was Snoke's influence on him even before, while well, he, before Luke did that. Luke explained that, that, that he felt that. But, I feel like his rea- his arc was fantastic. He did a lot of bad things, I, and that's putting it lightly. Patricide is never a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that sounded a lot worse when I sounded it, said it out loud. Um, but like this movie, Rise of Skywalker, the whole again, let the past die. Wow, wow. I mean, she he literally had to let the past die. She had to kill him. Basically, in order for him to find who he was again, I thought that was beautiful. I, I okay, I'm a, I'm a giant sap, but I thought it was wonderful, and I thought him. Yeah, I just I've seen this story before. I, I don't care. I'm, I will watch it again and again in various forms because I enjoy it and it touches that happy little part of my brain. Okay. <laughs> All right, fair enough. All right, um, Eric, thoughts on the Kylo Ren redemption? I did not like Kylo Ren at all from from word one. Uh, I I kind of feel that he was possessive, kind of rapey, and uh, like I, I I did not enjoy enjoy the character. Well, well, yeah. I mean, the, the, I mean that's the thing. I mean, it's like in, in, throughout Last Jedi, the whole idea of he has to like knock Ray down to get her to accept him and the idea of you're nothing but except to me yeah I know I mean there's very skeezy overtones and all of and, that and like the whole thing just felt dirty and I'm saying this about the character I, I mean the actor Adam Driver did a great job mm-hmm. uh, and but just the character was just dirty and skeezy and I didn't like him and he made me feel bad and redeeming him doesn't really do anything for me I mean, like, yeah, you could see it was coming, like you said, kind of paint by numbers, but yeah, like I wasn't really feeling it. Okay. Ryan? Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a lot to push back on here. I'm I'm with Juliet on this one. Um, the the redemption for me worked perfectly for, for several reasons. Uh, first off, let's establish that We've set the bar for redemption pretty damn low after Vader, who can get away with killing children and, you know, uh, hundreds and thousands, you know, assisting in blowing up planets and uh, torturing his own daughter, you know, and we're cool with all that with him being redeemed by saving his own son. So 
it's a pretty low bar for redemption uh, in that respect. <laughs> to be fair, most of those things <laughs> happened after he thought he was too far gone. But all right. Well, except for maybe wiping out all the um, uh, Tuscan warriors. Um, hey, his <laughs> biggest crime is letting Jar Jar live. <laughs> <laughs> that one goes squarely on George Lucas. You know? <laughs> but so fine. Low bar for redemption for Vader. I think it worked for Kylo. Uh, one, I, I also agree, Juliet, about the fact that in hindsight, if we accept that Palpatine's always been around, then yes, his influence has always been there. So it kind of makes sense uh, how he was led to the dark side. It wasn't his you know, fan obsession with Granddaddy. It was being in a really cool costume. It was that that soft whisper, that push. Um, Palpatine is great at that. He almost got Luke to kill his own father as well. So patricide is kind of Palpatine's thing. Um, <laughs> but where here's how it really, 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 really worked for me. And it's kind of obvious and predictable, but uh, there's nothing wrong with being obvious and predictable in Star Wars. It's just bread and butter. Um, sure. Ray literally killed uh, Kylo Ren. She ran him through. He was dying and dead. Kylo Ren died right there at the on the ruins of the Death Star. When she healed him, she brought Ben back from the from the dead, and Kylo was gone. He had passed over. So because of that act, as obvious and you know literal as it is, it made it work for me. Okay. Um, Angie, I let you go last this time. Okay. <laughs> I. I I think I went on record saying I didn't think they could redeem Kylo Ren after killing his dad because his dad was on solo. Um, but this actually did work for me. Um, I think I think because uh, I have to back up a little bit. I forgive the Emperor showing up kind of out of the blue in the Rise of Skywalker, because I don't know who the villain would have been in Rise of Skywalker. I don't think that Kylo Ren was compelling enough of a villain to carry the movie because he was so conflicted and we see lots of his conflict and he's making all these assertions, but he, and he keeps getting his, his ass kicked. And like, I don't I just, I don't think I could have bought him as the villain of the film. I, I just don't think I would have bought it. So Having him be this super conflicted, super angsty, like, rage monster um, was actually pretty, one of the more interesting things, I thought, from the first two movies. Um, but I really thought he was just going to get dispatched at some point in Rise of Skywalker, and that would be the end of it. Um, I was, I, I really liked the idea of having this kind of, um, he and Ray being these two opposite points in the Force and their fates being tied together. Um, I, I enjoyed that. I thought that was a really good addition in um, Last Jedi, and I liked the continuation of that. Um, I also felt like it worked because he died. <laughs> if he had lived, I would have been raging against it like everybody else, I think. But I think the fact that he was willing to, of his own free will, give up his own life force to save Rey, um, that in itself was the act of redemption for him. Um, and I'm okay with that. I, I feel like... Yeah. That's that's emotionally satisfying to me. You know, I, I almost feel like, and this is where everybody's going to be like, how can you think this? Uh, I almost feel like taking the movie as it was, I almost would have preferred for Ray to die and for Ben Solo to survive just because of the idea of the man needing to atone his entire life, 
you know, that idea of a, like a future movie about this man that is so steeped in guilt over what he's done, I think would have been an interesting, you know, way to go forward. Um, you know, I mean, obviously if they just leave things here and never revisit like these characters again, then, you know, it's probably better to go with Ray, but I just, I just thought it was, uh, you know, an interesting idea and, uh, but yeah, I, I, I get it, you know, the, uh, the redemption for, by, by giving his life for her, um, thing, but I really didn't like that kiss. No, I'm not defending that. I I would have preferred a more platonic, yeah. And speaking of kisses, let's move on to Rose, who out of the blue, like, you know, was in love with Finn at the end of Last Jedi. And in this movie, it's like, that's that's not there at all. And, and Rose isn't there, like, at all either. So, Rose? Rose <laughs> Right, exactly. So, I mean, I mean, so there's been a lot of backlash about that. I understand the difficulty here of Carrie Fisher's passing. Um, but I'm kind of curious about... You know, do you feel like too much was made? Because, you know, one of the things Abrams talks about is, well, we had to give, like, you know, Poe, Finn, and, and, you know, Ray all this time together. And, you know, and and, and, uh, Rose was supposed to be with, um, you know, uh, uh, Leia, but we didn't, we couldn't do too much with Leia. Um, And so that was, you know, this this difficulty we had. But I'm not sure that it needed to be the the main three. And I know in the Trevorrow script, it didn't have the main three together. So, um just kind of curious, like, do you guys feel like Kelly Marie Tran, like, that was one of the things of trying to satisfy the fans was minimizing her role? Or do you feel like this was just, a, you know, a, a notion of, you know, um, it, it was just bad luck as far as they couldn't rewrite the script again and, and they were just kind of dealing with the hand they were dealt with. So um, does anyone have a strong feeling about this? That was one of my points uh, of, of things that I didn't like about the movie. Mm. I've got, you know, like I've got my whole outline here in front of me. Okay, okay. <laughs> but, but, uh, you know, like I, like I was talking about the disconnect between uh, eight and nine, and and Rose's relationship was really kind of front, like like front and center mm-hmm. in, in eight, and then in nine, like she's barely there. Finn's moved on to this new female stormtrooper thing, and and apparently has a thing for Ray. Where'd that come from? <laughs> well, they're saying that the thing he wanted to tell Ray was that he could use the Force. It wasn't a declaration of love, although it seemed to me like yeah. the way because they never say that in the movie. It feels like it was like I love you, Ray, is what he wanted to say. And with the previous two movies, like through both of the previous two movies, like he's clearly Gaga over Ray. You're not Johnny and Quicksand, and then want to confess that hey, I think I can use the Force. That, yeah. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, it's that that feels a little strange too. Yes, but uh, yeah, that didn't bother me super much. But but yeah, the um, but yeah, the the the, the rose, the rose. Yes. Thing. Yeah. So that was definitely on my list in the in the negative category. Um, did anyone else feel like Rose was was really shortchanged? I would have liked to have seen more of her, but I'm not. Mm. I don't feel. It's hard to describe. I'm not that upset. Like I felt like a lot of her her feelings for Finn in the in Last Jedi were almost hero worship, and I like to think that maybe they're again supposition that their friendship has cooled to a friendship, and she's okay with that. I really wish I could have seen what 
the script would have been with her scenes and Leia's scenes because I would have killed to have seen the two of them interact together more. To be fair, though, there was a lot more Leia than I thought there was going to be. Who knew that they had that much past footage? Well, I mean, but that's the thing. It's like, what in the world was the original version of Last Jedi like before they cut everything that it had that much extra Leia stuff going on? Like, I really would love to see, like, the, the unvarnished, uncut Last Jedi that had that much additional Leia the stuff. The Johnson cut. <laughs> You're right, the Johnson cut. Release the Johnson cut. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing was, I didn't, like, think that Rose was, like, all that great in Last Jedi, but I felt like, again, because she was so prominent in Last Jedi, it felt like another, like, sort of just, like, weird narrative, like, whiplash thing of, like, oh, and now she's, like, a super minor background character in this one, and, you know... The, the whole thing, like, the end of the movie almost was, like, her and Finn kissing, and it's like, but that's, like, not even addressed. Like, not even one line of dialogue. I, I'll jump in on this one, you know. Um, I, I guess I would have liked more Rose, but the reality is we're never going to know what movie we could have gotten um, with if Carrie had been around uh, for it. But right. if we just look at it from a symmetry perspective and the original trilogy, uh, I kind of think of Rose as the Lando. You know, she shows up in the second movie. She, I liked Rose, and she <laughs> steals pretty much every scene she's in, and she's an interesting character. And then Return of the Jedi comes along, and Lando is barely in it. And this is the same thing with Rose here. It's not that we wouldn't have liked more. We would have loved more. We would have all sat through another hour of Return of the Jedi. We probably would have all sat through another hour of Rise of Skywalker. Um, it's, it was just time constraint. Well, let me tell you, I was okay with Rose up until this is how we win, by saving what we love, not destroying what we hate. <laughs> and how it should have ended got that completely right. I mean, at that point, she was already responsible for a lot of death, so why not? Just <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it was... It was such a, oh God, it was such a dumb statement to make. And the fact of the matter is, you know, how it should have ended got that one right, where Finn was like, but that's what I was doing, saving what I love. You know? So, so, so if like, Rose is Lando, then who's Lando? <laughs> <laughs> Landoception. Well, let's see. Uh, uh, Ewoks? I don't know. <laughs> you know? All right. <sighs> Yeah. All right, let's let's move on to th well, I mean, yeah, I mean there are other things I could nitpick. Like I thought that the whole like whoops, we killed Chewbacca thing like was so dumb, especially since if you watched the previews, you knew Chewbacca was in scenes that they didn't show yet. So it was kind of like, okay, guys, really? That, that doesn't mean anything now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean sometimes, but you you know. That, that's when you have, like, someone like Feige running your organization, and he's smart and canny and those that, like, will put some fake scenes into the trailers to, like, misdirect people, you know? Well, you also like, have to remember that Abrams was editing this thing, like, right up to, like, the week before it went out. Mm -hmm. um, so anything could have changed. Just before we move on for a sec, um, the Rose thing, I... The, the problem is it's hard to separate Rose from from the meta, like the internet. Yes. Bullying all of that controversy, but really narratively, and I, this was part of the reason I decided to try to get through Last Jedi again. Mm -hmm. She's not connected to anyone but Finn. Mm -hmm. She has no real interaction with any of the rest of the main cast, and I just think they couldn't devote that much movie time to having her interact with people that she'd never interacted with before. It just really seemed like 
there, there wasn't much they really could do with her. And that's actually the part of the leak script that made me shudder is the idea that they were just going to split up the party again for most of that film, too, which I hate. I hate it when stories do that, especially I'll forgive it in a middle, but especially at the climax, do not do that. Well, I mean, part of this thing, though, throwing everyone together was like we got the scene where Poe's like talking to Ray and he's like, you're our best fighter. And I'm like, how do you even know that? Like, you've said like two words to each other. Like, you know, like, you know, and they, they tried to make us feel like these people had had that time together when they really hadn't. Uh, and so it was just uh, I, I was I mean, that's just an isolated line. But I just like was kind of like that line is ridiculous. It's it's based off of stuff in between movies. I mean, you just have to. Yeah, but I mean, the way this whole movie went down, it doesn't seem like much time passed since Last Jedi. It seems like it's only been a few months. Doesn't he also snap at her? Um, well, they argue about the Falcon. But, oh, and this is one of the things I like. So we're going to get to stuff I like. One of the things I liked is that she is incensed because she says, that's Han's ship. And I love the fact that they're holding on to the fact that like Rey almost like hero worships Han. Because of how much she respected him and how much she like came to like him in that short span of time. So I really did like that where where she was arguing with Poe for like damaging the Falcon because it's on ship. I love that. <laughs> Although by then it should have been Chewie's ship. Well, Lando. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um you know, I, I expected Lando to just come back and be like, Oh, my ship. This is great, you know. <laughs> Um, it's, the only, it's the only reason he shows back up, isn't it? Right. That, well, I, I was wondering if that was going to be it. Like he's coming back to like claim the Falcon. Like, <laughs> finally. All right. So, all right. So of course we had Lando, and we'll we'll talk about him, and that was okay. But the the thing that made me cheer in the movie theater was when Wedge Antilles showed up for the final fight. Yeah. <laughs> for all two seconds. <laughs> I don't know what. Abrams did to convince Dennis Lawson to come back, but I am so glad that he did it because, you know, Lawson has been like Star Wars killed my career. You know, like he tried to convince Ewan McGregor, who was his nephew, not to do the movies because he's like, it will kill your career, you know, and, and and he's been very vocal about how he hates that he did Star Wars. So I was so happy that they brought Wedge back for the final battle. Um, God, I was over the moon for that. <laughs> <laughs> that was even better than Chewie finally getting his medal. <sighs> that was so. That was such a contrived thing. <laughs> I mean, it's nice, but it's like, you know, he didn't really just. He well, was, he was a co-pilot <laughs> in the first movie. Like all the stuff about the. I, my thing is, Wedge should have gotten a medal in that final ceremony because Wedge saved Luke during. The, the the Death Star battle. So Wedge deserved a medal and never got one. And that's what's always pissed me off, you know. Because uh, he did as much as Han did. All that Han did was show up and save Luke in the final battle, which is the same thing Wedge did. So they both should have gotten medals. And what about Porkins? <laughs> well, Porkins was dead. Por yeah, well, posthumously, you know, he could have gotten a medal. You know, they, you know? I, <laughs> I'm surprised with as much as Abrams likes legacy that they never revealed that... Um, Oh, God, what's the guy's name? Parkman from uh, Heroes. Um, Heroes. Uh, that, that he wasn't like a Porkins. <laughs> <laughs> that was my great-grandfather or something. <laughs> It'll be in the supplemental comment. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... But yeah, no, no, no. We got so we got so we got a lot of cameos and a lot, you know, that sort of thing. So, so like thoughts on on returning characters and just the joy of seeing 
old faces again. Um, Angie. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't, um, I, you know, I, I really feel like the Cando bite stuff would have been better served as a Lando movie. Yes, because that was the one thing that Ryan Johnson said that really got me mad was he was like, well, we didn't have Lando because there was no place for him in the movie. And I was like, Canto Bite was the perfect place for Lando to be there, just like doing some hustle or something. I mean, that would, anyway. Yeah, I mean, the only thing about Lando in Rise of Skywalker, which I, I loved, I was delighted by the entire thing. But I do wonder how that would have been different if Carrie Fisher hadn't died. And that kind of, mm-hmm. I don't know, makes me a little bit. Um, soured on it, but it, it doesn't matter. As the as the film itself stands, I thought that was great. It was a little bit um, weirdly like, yep, I'm here randomly on this planet, but it's the Force, so I, I'm not going to question it too much. And the movie would have ended with Lando marrying Leia. Oh, I will say, so um, I watched the movie in the theater and the sound actually cut out at the very end when he was talking to Janna. So I have no idea what he said to her. Oh, it was just basically she was like, I don't know, like, who my family is. And he said, well, let's find out about that or something like that. So, oh, OK. Someone yeah. someone in the theater goes, Jenna, I am your father. And that's so that's my headcanon now. <laughs> well, I mean, that was where I thought they were going. But, you know, and it, and it doesn't mean that they can't go that way because they could always reveal that he had like a granddaughter or something that, you know, disappeared. But but it made it sound like more like he was going to help her find her family just to show that Lando was still doing good, you know, in the galaxy after all. That. Yeah, like, uh, like I had like questions about that because I thought, you know, they were, they were going to go with the whole, she was his daughter thing, but without that context, it kind of felt like he was macking on her. And, <laughs> and, 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 and I'm like, you're like four times her age, dude, back up. Well, and since it's Lando, you can't be sure that that's not true either. So actually that just really made that scene skeezy. Thanks, Eric. <laughs> hey, you know, Can I just like yeah. jump in here real quick? Sure. I had a call. I was talking about literally this exact same thing with a friend after he watched it and he didn't like most of the movie, but he's, I honestly brought this back up and was talking about, uh, and I've got to quote him. He said, if Abrams was smart, he interrupted, he would have interrupted several times to tell Billy Williams, Billy, look, I love what you're giving me, but I'm looking at the women on this set and their panties did not spontaneously explode when you said that line about Leia giving, <laughs> about getting Leia your best. And I'm like, oh no, that, that's Lando. That's totally Lando. <laughs> oh man. I don't know. I, I yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, did uh, Ryan anything to say about returning characters? <laughs> or I thought we were going to talk about you know Lando trying to. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, if you were excited to see Lando, did it make you cheer? I don't know. I mean, well, I, I, we knew he was going to be in it, so it wasn't a surprise. Sure. Um, it was like a. Uh, no, I mean, for me again, because I had kind of low expectations about the entire thing. I was like, okay, it's Lando, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's see what happens now. I mean, the thing about Abrams is you can count on him to try and do the fan service. And that's kind of what it felt like. Um, it's not fan service. Isn't inherently a bad thing. It's there for a reason. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, yeah. Yeah. Ask the makers. Of yeah, there you go, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, uh, Lando, yeah, fine. He, at least he had kind of a role. I honestly, I suspect his role got bigger because a lot of the stuff he did probably Carrie would have had, um, otherwise, uh, so, you know, maybe that expanded what he got to do. Um, wedge was Wedge for all of two seconds. And uh, other than that, How I'm dare sorry. You, sir. I mean, <laughs> I mean, but for me, it just seems like I know the Internet 
when the first trailer dropped, the internet went crazy, pausing it on the one scene and saying, oh, this ship is this, this ship is that, this ship is that, you know? Mm. I didn't do that, um, mainly because I'm just not that steeped in the lore anymore. But uh, again, that if you're going to pause it and and frame by frame to look for all the cameos and stuff then yeah that's 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 a bit too much for for me um lando was about the height <laughs> of oh cameos for me i mean and that and we got um, um what's his name pippin um or yeah, yeah. So, which i honestly don't know why he was there at all <laughs> right yeah no i know i was just got hey all right there's a new character for no yeah. reason <laughs> with lines that could have easily been one. Fun okay. fact, he was <laughs> only in the movie because Abrams lost a bet. <laughs> yeah, that's what I've heard too. Now, now see, they could have used um, him uh, to push back on what you said, Nathan, about no time passing between Last Jedi and this one. I disagree because not only do we have Palpatine's laughter being heard in the universe, but at the end of Last No, I said a few months. Well, but well, it's got to be more than months because be, be, from Last Jedi – to the rise of Skywalker, the resistance, you know, like grew exponentially and got a small fleet back. You know, none of these people were on the Millennium Falcon. The entire resistance fit in the Millennium Falcon at the end of the Last Jedi. So they could have used uh, Pippin um, to explain. Well, well, the, none of Poe's lines though make any sense if you feel like like these must have been people they already had stashed somewhere else because Poe's whole thing was no one else is going to join us. We tried and no one knew is coming. And that's where Lando gave his pep talk, you know. So, you know, that doesn't mean the whole resistance was in that fleet, you know, in Last Jedi. That's that all the people who were in the fleet were whittled down to um, you just the people on the Millennium Falcon. But, you know, I figured they just had like another base somewhere with a few more people. And that's where all the other people in this movie came from until the, you know, on your left scene, <laughs> which I'm so disappointed that they didn't have that be like the vine. <laughs> <laughs> On your left, look up. Ships just appear in the atmosphere. <laughs> Do the voices of the Jedi at the end count as cameos? Because I was all about sure. identifying yeah, each one of them by their true. voices and getting all excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we got we got Obi Wan, Qui Gon, Mace Windu. We got pretty much everybody. Yoda, Ahsoka, Cannon. Nope. So, um, well, even even Anakin. Even Hayden Christensen came back for, you know, balance the force, Ray. (laughs) Just like I did when I wiped out all the Jedi. (laughs) Well, we know what happened to Broom Boy now. Anakin came back. (laughs) Wait, so if people and things came back, did we have the Wilhelm scream come back? And did anyone lose an arm? I wasn't really paying attention. <laughs> yeah, that is the one thing that Abrams was like, "Not, nah, we're not going to do that one." <laughs> okay. you know, enough hands have been lost already. <laughs> I, I will say this, and this is the—I mean, this is not Abrams' fault. This is this came from Force uh, or the Force Way or the, the Last Jedi, but um, I hate the idea of Force being able to like you know do stuff in the real world because otherwise, why don't they just show up with Rey and fight Palpatine? I mean, you know, it's like. I uh, it just annoys me. It's like if you're going with a Buddhist angle like you are, you know, with the whole, you know, force idea, it should be like more of, you know, as you're passing on, like you become less like tethered to the real world, not like, you know, oh yeah, I can totally make force lightning or I can grab lightsabers out of the air and, you know, all that stuff. I just uh I I didn't like that. Because then you do wonder, all right, they're all there, why aren't they helping Ray? They have you know? they have reasons. Maybe they were 
fighting Sith ghosts, but Obi-Wan did say he would become more powerful than Vader could possibly imagine once he was struck down. Yep. Um, all right. Uh, another thing that I absolutely love, and these are the things that like I loved so much about the movie. The scene where after Ray or uh, Leia is talking with Ray and Leia walks off and Ray says something like, okay, master. I was just like, oh, she feels like Leia is her Jedi master. And that's so nice. And, oh, oh, God. And then at the very end, when she takes, I mean, if I'd been thinking about the title of the movie throughout the movie, this one would have been obvious too. But I didn't even think about the title of the movie until everybody's celebrating at the end. And then I thought about the scene where she tells that one girl on that one planet, like, I don't have a family and whatever. And I'm like, oh, she's going to take the name Skywalker. And I gotta say, that that scene right there, that made me tear up when she tells the woman that, like, you know, she's like, Ray who? And she's like, Skywalker. And I'm like, oh, that that was meaningful, you know? <laughs> because nothing else was meaningful. Just that. <laughs> it, 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 it tugged at my heartstrings. I really liked that. Um, I do have to admit that much of the emotional weight of the movie was lost when they decided to put Ewoks in the movie. Just throwing that oh, out there. Oh, stop it! <laughs> Two seconds! Come on! <laughs> I, I don't share your hatred of Ewoks anyway, but like, yeah, I mean, that was a two-second cameo. Come on. Two seconds too long. Ugh... <laughs> <sighs> But yeah, no, I, th- I think, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I don't know if it's just because, you know, Carrie, you know, ex- I mean, I, I guess it is because she extends back to the original trilogy. Like that stuff, the stuff that had to do with Leia and Ray's connection to Leia was to me like, like the, the real like emotional like heart of the movie. Like the fact that she respects Leia so much and that she is you know, lo- looks to her as, like, almost like a surrogate mom and all that kind of stuff. I, I absolutely loved all of that. Oh, no, I was sobbing, like, when when Leia finally just died and then became the Force, became one with the Force. I have tears rolling down my face. Did you, did you think, because, you know, a lot of people have issues with the fact that it wasn't, like, a bigger group looking at Rey at the end when she goes to... Tatooine. Are, are, did you think it was right for them to just have Luke and Leia? Yeah, I feel like that was okay. Mm. I too, too. I, I feel like if they had had, like, Anakin and Ben and all, you know, it's like Obi-Wan, you know, like, people wanted, like, it to be, like, this huge group scene, and I feel like that would have sort of distracted because the ones that Ray. I mean, well, she did have a relationship with Ben, but I, I, I like that because it also kind of left it ambiguous as far as, like, Ben's status in the in the grand scheme of things. But anyone else besides them was someone she didn't even have a connection right, with. Right, those were the two right. Jedi that she trained with. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I thought that was fitting. But we had the, we had the moment where they were all speaking to her. Like, I think this was a mm-hmm. have-your-cake-and-eat-it-too moment. Um, you know, you had this special thing with Luke and Leia and Ray, but you also before then had everybody show up briefly to help her. Does anyone else feel like that there should have been more more Jedi in that final little scene? Nah. Okay. Um, another criticism that I've heard about this movie that I do not agree with at all is that the ending of Ray going to Tatooine was a bad ending. And there's a lot of, I mean, 
there's back and forth because the track is labeled like coming home or something like that and people say well obviously john williams thought that's what was going on but other people have said like it doesn't mean that she necessarily went there to stay i actually kind of like the idea of ray after having gone through all of this is just like hey the galaxy doesn't need me for now. People know where I am. And frankly, since we've learned that the Force always seeks balance to have me out there, like, being, like, uber-powerful Jedi is just going to make, you know, somebody in the dark side rise up. So why don't I live a quiet life here and only come back if I'm ever needed? And I thought that that was actually a fairly fitting you know, ending for her to just sort of, like, quietly sort of, like, go back and you can always have another movie someday where it's like, Ray, we need you, and for her to, like, you know, go out there. Because they've already established that there are other Force sensitives like the Broom Boy and they're establishing that Finn was. So there are other people out there that can use the Force, you know. So, I don't know. How do you guys feel about that? Um, Eric, what do you think about the, the very ending and the idea of Ray going to Tatooine? I didn't have a problem with it. You know, the Star Wars saga has always been about, you know, like rhyming, I guess, as George Lucas puts it. <laughs> I thought you were going to say about deserts and sand. <laughs> but, you know, it, like it parallels the the beginning of episode four when, you know, Luke wants to leave and he's standing there looking at the twin sunsets. Mm. I felt it fit. Sure. Ryan, thoughts on, on the, the final scene with Ray? Um, well... A couple of thoughts. I mean, it ended where it began, right? So, you know, yay, fine, cool, neat. Um, life is a circle. Um, but the, her assuming the name Skywalker, uh, yeah, it was – it also I had an emotional reaction to it too. But it also was kind of like if you look at it in context of The Last Jedi and, and the books that were burned but amazingly not burned um, come uh, – no, no, no. Luke burned the house assuming the books were in there. <laughs> like, there was never any, like, he didn't know that she had okay, taken fine, them already. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, okay, that, that could be true. Um, but I, I kind of see Skywalker, yeah, she took it as a name, but I also kind of see it as a title now. Like, maybe going forward, you know, the Jedi have such kind of a, a legacy of good and bad um, that maybe Force users will be known as Skywalkers in the future instead of Jedi. Um would because after all the the institution itself is pretty much gone the teachings are all but gone so it kind of makes sense that but the force is still there so it kind of makes sense that force users might have a new designation um and you know kind of on the same point it worked for me because the, even the way the whole the whole franchise ended uh, so to speak because the skywalkers as a bloodline should not have existed, right? Uh, they were created by you know Darth Sidious, uh, Immaculate Conception, right? Something else we don't mention. Um, Let's not. And so Anakin don't should not be here either. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but Anakin should not have existed. Luke should not have existed. Leia should not have existed. Ben should not have existed. So, so the universe has been corrected. The balance has truly been restored by wiping out the Skywalkers. And in that sense, I think Ray kind of truly brought balance back to it all okay all right angie thoughts on the the very ending um yeah i kind of like what everyone's saying my take on it i thought a little bit about the yeah the 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 balance that the force seeks is every time there's a big baddie you have a big light side user and vice versa so maybe it's best just to fade away into Mm. (laughs) into obscurity um but i also i mean um we've we've been watching the rebels 
series in my house. Um, and, you know, they introduce a lot of uh, non-Sith, non-Jedi force, you know, force creatures, force sensitive creatures that are, you know, neither good or evil. They just are, are sensitive to the force, that sort of thing. And it just, in terms of this theme of legacy that's kind of permeated this, this part of the, um, you know, the saga, I feel like, you know, she's maybe trying to forge that middle way. And in that way, Luke was the last of the Jedi because Leia didn't complete her training, even though she was based, that was a choice of hers. You know, she was basically already there. And Ray is now taking those teachings, but she's forging her own path with them. Um, so I, yeah, that's kind of my takeaway from there. But yeah, I, I thought it was pretty fitting. And I, I, I like what everybody said, so I think any of those is great. <laughs> and, and Juliet, thoughts on the very ending? So I felt it was a very fitting tribute that Ray went back to. She want, I, she would have gone to Alderaan, I'm sure, if Alderaan hadn't been blown into the she tiny little the piece of dust. But because she, <laughs> she could, but it'd be a little harder to bury a lightsaber in it. But people are less likely to look Rocks there. Rocks that have been expanding outward for how many years? <laughs> Um, but she goes back to Tatooine, where she actually can go back to. And that was Luke's home. That that was where he grew up. And although he may have hated it, it's what he knew. And so I think it was a fitting moment that she was able to lay to rest the Jedi legacy that was the Skywalkers in that crazy little dust ball planet where Luke and his father and, and, and uh, his father came from. I just... I thought it was really sweet. I don't know if I feel like she's going to stay there. I figure she'll, you know, move out and just kind of hang out around the universe. Maybe she'll go find Broom Boy. I don't know. <laughs> you know, if she sticks around long enough, Ten Buck says a Jawa tries to sell her that lightsaber back. <laughs> oh, they totally will. Oh, God. That was one of the jokes after Last Jedi that, like, there was going to be, like, the Broom Boy a Scott, or Star Wars story or whatever. So I just... I love all this talk of the broom boy and, and his continued adventures. Um, so, um, actually, everybody talking just now reminded me of something, and this is another one. This is both bad and good for me. One of the nitpicky things that annoyed me was that Ray did not make her own uh, lightsaber before confronting Palpatine because she wasn't a Jedi yet until she made her own lightsaber. And so to say that she like is like the, the, the last of the Jedi and the Jedi lived through her just kept bothering me because I'm like, she hasn't made her own lightsaber yet. Wasn't that the point, though, to let the Jedi die? She wasn't supposed to be a Jedi anymore. Not really. Well, except that that was the whole play. <laughs> that was the last movie. In this movie, the whole thing was you're the last of the Jedi and all the Jedi live within you. you know, the whole movie, in the beginning, she's like, I'm trying to get all the Jedi to speak to me. And Leia's like, just let it happen. It'll happen. You know, so like this movie, that's the whole thing of the movie. That's the through line is she's got to get the Jedi to speak to her. So, yeah, you build your lightsaber. You become a knight. You're a fully trained Jedi. We saw how well that all that Jedi training worked for <laughs> all those other previous Jedi masters, didn't we? <laughs> um, but, so it's like, so a, so a non-Jedi, you know, somebody who isn't, who hasn't completed their training was able to defeat the Emperor, so that kind of annoyed me. Oh, but, please. Luke did it with, like, three <laughs> weeks training. No, there was, there was a year between Empire and Return of the Jedi. <laughs> and he completed his own lightsaber. <laughs> Big deal! That was important. <laughs> What it is to be a Jedi changes from trilogy to trilogy. Plus, even Yoda said he wasn't going to be a complete Jedi until he faced Vader. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I thought the big thing was facing your fear, not like that. Might be something the Jedi Order imposed on people. 
is making your own lightsaber. That's one of the steps. But, uh, <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so that's a picky thing. But um, I like, though, that she defeated the Emperor with non-aggression. That I really liked, because that was right. That is the way a Jedi is supposed to be. And it was reflecting his own attack back on him. So that, I thought, was perfect and well done. Uh, this is one of my uh, points on, on, on this uh one of the negatives that I have on this. Uh, okay, so Palpatine went through the first trilogy, and he learned definitively that lightsabers reflect, reflect lightning, and lightning melts your face. <laughs> he he learned this. That then, what? He just forgot that lightsabers can reflect lightning all of a sudden. Did he forget that two lightsabers can reflect twice as much lightning? <laughs> At what time? At we know point, that's how that works. <laughs> at what point do you think he realized, or like, did he even have the thought, the like, the thought process of maybe if I stop casting lightning, it'll stop melting my face? <laughs> <laughs> that's a fair point. This hurts. I should do it more. <laughs> my thing was, it, it, they didn't visual the visuals of that didn't show Ray taking any damage. Like, it looked like none of the lightning was touching her until. It was all over, and then she falls. Whereas when Luke was trying to deflect it, like, it wasn't working because it's lightning, right? It's going around the lightsaber. You know, it's not, you know, he's, he's getting zapped, you know? And so I, I thought that, but then when she fell, I was like, okay, she did take damage. It wasn't just like, look at me. I got a lightsaber. It can't hurt me. Because it looked like all the lightning was just concentrating on her lightsaber. I'm like, palps, just move your hands a little bit. You know, like, you know, you don't have to concentrate it all on the lightsabers. It's okay, man. But <laughs> um, And then he was all like, ha ha, I'm winning. And then she pulled out the second one. And he's like, oh, no. <laughs> Perhaps now would be a good time to stop. No? <laughs> look, look, Palpatine's just got the lightning. If you take that away, he doesn't have anything. So, you know. I still maintain that Palpatine had battle meditation and that's why the that's why the the Empire kept rising. Yeah. Well I don't know, you gotta remember this is a guy who it didn't occur to him after all the vulnerabilities that every Death Star and Star Destroyer base has had to maybe have his fleet already up out of the oceans, already scattered across space before revealing himself. I mean, but, you know, whatever. He's a strategist. You know? or, or make sure Wedge Antilles is dead before you build something really big for him to blow up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, all this time. See, that's actually the bonus of all these characters. It's like they've just been deflecting Palpatine from Wedge all this time. Like, he's been so focused on, like, defeating Luke or Leia or Ray that he hasn't like realized the true threat (laughs) (laughs) oh man all right so so um you know obviously there's way too much to talk about and unpack of this movie um and we'd be here all night talking about it but things that you want to talk about with the movie um let's start with you juliet what's something that we haven't talked about that you want to talk about Okay, so I totally called this one. It was something I really wanted. Hux. I wanted Hux and his r- anger and hatred of Kylo Ren to come back out and do something awesome. And when they were starting to talk about how there was a mole, I was like, oh, 
oh, it's got to be Hux. It's got to be Hux. And then it was, and then bam, dead. By Thank you, Richard E. Grant, by the way. I'm um, just like, I, that what was did, a cameo I wasn't expecting. What did you got against Weasleys? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I killed yeah. one guy, I killed them both. But man, Hux, that was awesome. I was so happy. I was like, the fact that he really, he doesn't care about the resistance. He doesn't care about anything. He just hates Kylo Ren that much and doesn't right. want him to win. That was something I was so happy about. I don't know why, but it was no, I think I that one it was really. Fun. I mean, that was something that, like, yeah, carried over from the previous movies. That was like very, very, you know, logical. That it's just like at this point, he doesn't care as long as Ren loses. <laughs> it's like I hate that guy, but he's actually one death I didn't like. I thought he should really? have lived. He's such a comedy yeah. villain that I just kind of feel like, eh. Well, All he needed was a mustache to twirl. Right. <laughs> he was a bit of variety from the original trilogy, kind of all of the old British dudes, and the new one, with the old guy that replaced him. I don't know. He just felt refreshing. I love the fact that he was driven completely by spite. And uh, I thought they killed him off too soon. I was actually kind of surprised that Phasma didn't, like, reappear so that they could actually do something with her. Agreed. Uh-huh. <laughs> I felt like I felt like after Phasma was hyped so much in the beginning, it's like really she had like a tiny little scene in Last Jedi and then like falls into you know flames and that's that's all you're gonna do with her. I mean, they tried to Boba Fett Phasma. They thought they could make yeah this the standout character. And anytime you predict it, anytime you try and call it before it happens, it, it's, you're gonna fall on your face like that. Yeah, yeah. I just feel like they could have possibly done something with her although i don't know what in this movie to actually give her the gravitas they wanted in the beginning but oh well um uh eric something we haven't talked about yet that you want to talk about all right uh i do minor things and one major thing uh, okay all right so the first minor thing is warp skipping is dumb Han Han Solo gets away with it in The Force Awakens because he's Han and it's just the kind of stupid thing that he would do and it's just his dumb luck that he survives it. Now that now everyone can do it, what's up with that? Well, and yeah, my kind of problem is it's like they had that capability. Why did they like bother taking off from Tatooine in the first movie? Why didn't Han just, you know, warp out, you know, really quick and then take their bearings and, you know, do like the full like, you know, thing? Yeah, the warp skipping is another thing from the old EU that just bothers me because it's like you should have to get out of a gravity well before you can go to light speed anyway. And so that just like makes my eye twitch anytime. And and then, you know, like the whole time that they're warp skipping around, TIE fighters are following them. Last yeah. time, you know, like last time I checked, Tie Fighters don't have warp engines. That's that's Thank right. you. Like, like that's the mm-hmm. entire point of them. So if, if they're suggesting that the Falcon is bringing the Tie Fighters with them through the warp, that kind of defeats the purpose of it anyway. So why are you? Bothering? Well, to be fair, this is like twenty something years later, so they might have a new hyper engine that fits in. And a tie it's JJ Abrams. If it looks really cool, we don't have to explain how it happens. <laughs> they, they fly now, so they. Now too. Uh, uh, so that was the first. Well, yeah, they have atmospheres in the cockpit now too. That was established in the uh, the Force Awakens. So that was a thing that didn't used to be true. So, uh, so that was the first minor thing. The second one is the whole C three PO can't translate Sith runes. <laughs> Who would program that? So so you know, like say C three PO comes across the Sith message, and it and it details some attack that's going to happen on a planet. He can't tell anyone. Oh, 
Obi-Wan would yeah, do it's, it. It, it. It was a Senate, it was a law that was passed in the Senate that he, like, his programming was updated with. It's dumb. So that was, I mean, Eric, you know that dumb laws <laughs> are gonna, passed, okay? I'm going to so, blame I mean, his original builder. I'm going to blame Obi-Wan because he totally would do that. You know he would. <laughs> but, but, I'm going to blame Anakin. But to kind of, you know, yeah. you know, piggyback on that. So they go through this emotional thing where he has to sacrifice his memory and get them this information. And, like, it's a character sacrifice. It means something. You know, like, there's actually some weight to it. You know, like, they debate for a couple seconds whether it's cool or not to completely delete their friend. And then, like, you know, like, okay, we got to do this for the greater good. The sacrifice is made. And then they completely cheat it by making it have no lasting effect whatsoever. Well, yeah, it's the same as with the Chewbacca thing. I felt like the sort of, like, it's the last movie. Maybe we might kill these characters thing. Like, yeah, they did it twice, and it was just kind of like, you know, I... I if you're going to do it, then do it. And if you're not going to do it, don't do the tease kind of thing. I, I agree I with you on that. I didn't get that at all. And my husband agrees with you. So we'll put that caveat out there. I thought that whole scene was played for laughs because they say right at the very beginning that R2 has a backup of his memory. And C-3P complaining about how unreliable it is is obviously, uh, I don't know if I can swear, but it's BS. Like, I don't know. I thought the entire <laughs> thing was like kind of touching and kind of really fitting for 3PO, but I don't think he was ever in actual danger. Right. But they may, you know, like they put feels out there and then they cheapen the feels and that it was just like, really? Come on. I, I felt like they were playing for laughs, not for actual like, oh, this is a sacrifice. I don't well, know. I did not get that impression from the movie at all. <laughs> But the real big thing, you know, that that kind of irks me when I think about it, it is like, okay, so Exicle or whatever it's called, like, uh, it like it can only be reached with this magic box, and there's only two of these magic boxes in existence. Still, there could have been more in the past. Didn't they? Did they actually call them holocrons, or or is that uh, just no? Uh, they it's called them wayfinders. Wayfinders. Oh. But, they oh, right, right. but they specifically said that they only ever made two of them. Did they? I, I missed that then. And, and and so like okay, so there's only two of these things, and you cannot get to this place without this wayfinder. Uh, one of them is broken, and the other one is in Ray's ship. That massive fleet they had on that on that planet would have the exact same problem leaving that planet that anybody trying to get there would have. How is that fleet a threat to anybody? They're gonna force skip out or warp skip out. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I that they only had two. Like I assumed, if you knew where you were going, you didn't necessarily need a wayfinder at that point. Right, yeah, it was just that that was the way to, if somebody doesn't know, like, it was a, like, a map to the place. Agreed. It was kind of like finding Luke in the first movie, which, that was one of my things in this movie. At the end of the day, we still have no idea who made the map to Luke Skywalker, because apparently Luke never wanted to be found, so it's like, how did that ever happen? Who in the world created the crazy dagger that, you know, if you stand at this particular spot oh, and look at the wreckage of the Death Star and have the thing out, it shows you the exact spot where the Wayfinder is supposed to be. And Stance it's like, the left or the right or hold it up right, or down. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, there, there were those things where I was just like, um, there, there are things that don't make sense about this scenario and the timeline that I'm kind of like trying to work out. What order did these things happen? Because, yeah, it's, I don't know. All that stuff that you're flying through is moving. So, you know, just sending your path through it isn't really going to help anybody. Like, it, like, it really, 
uh, broke my suspension of disbelief. That it, uh, maybe I'm wrong, but that's how I saw it. Uh, and this is one final parting shot. I absolutely, you know, love it, but there is no way that Red Five was functioning. I'm sorry, it was in the bottom of the ocean for 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 for, for three decades. It does not work. Period. That's just really technology. There takes a licking and keeps on ticking. Or I survived maybe a dick that bus was actually motor oil. <laughs> it had fish living in it. It's broke. <laughs> Hey, Luke pulled his out of the swamp on Dagobah, and it still worked, okay? Uh, so, I mean, Yoda pulled it out, but, you know. Well, okay, I'm sorry, yes, you're right, you're right, Loda, Yoda pulled it out, but Luke and, was still able to fly it. And, and it was in there for, like, what, a day and a half? Doesn't matter, water gets in, the water gets in! Right. I mean, all and, the swamp and, and junk. And seawater... Okay, yeah, Super wrecks. Yeah, yeah, okay, it's Hey, you, we don't know that it was salt. That we don't know what the content of that water was. Touche. Well, well, apparently it wasn't even enough to chip the paint. Okay. All right. All right. You're, 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 you're picking nits that even I wouldn't pick, Eric. <laughs> right. um, I, I've said my piece. Okay. Ryan, something that we haven't talked about yet you want to talk about. You know, a lot of the stuff like Hux and the Dagger you, you got. That the dagger threw me out of the movie. It was like mm. I felt like I was watching the Goonies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a national, yeah, treasure. national treasure. Exactly. Um, uh, one character that I don't think we mentioned or I missed it, uh, which I actually liked even though she had a small part, uh, was um Zori Bliss. Um is that I think that was the uh I felt like I don't know. I'd like to see more of her. Was that Poe's uh, yeah, friend with the helmet? You know, looked yeah, looked like uh, yeah. Yes. Um, and I actually loved the scene at the end where after they've won and Poe gives her that look, like, "Hey, you wanna?" Yeah. And she's like, "No." And he's like, <laughs> "Yes, no, no." That was one of the things I really liked. Is finally, you know, <laughs> like we don't just throw a romance together for no reason. You know, it's just like, oh, she she's not interested yeah, in that. His, you know, I, I love, you, his you response know? was perfect. That sort of, mm, yeah, I understand. I probably wouldn't either. <laughs> right, yeah, no, I know. <laughs> you know, but that yes. that cracked me up. Um. The, the only, I mean, we've we've kind of hinted around it about like a, whether Ray should be with Finn or whether Ray should have been with Ben. Maybe it's just the Ben Finn sound. I don't know, but I I think that to a small extent that Abrams kind of played around with the idea of like a anyone could hook up with anyone. Finn could hook up with Poe, you know, and Finn, Ray, and Poe might have all been in some weird triad together. I don't know. And I actually liked that because it opened up, you know, whatever your the viewer wants, you know, the, the romance is there or not there if, the, if you don't want it. No, no, I, I think that you're exactly right. I think that that was basically the safe choice based on that way anyone can have their own particular ship or whatever, you know, like you just imagine it and it's there because we left it super ambiguous. Yeah. No, the only reason why I felt like Rosenfin specifically had to be addressed was just because it was there at the end of the last movie, and I felt like it should have been addressed in some way, even just to say we're just friends now or whatever. I mean, that was that was all in Rosenfin. Finn never really Finn liked her, but I don't think he ever felt romantically inclined towards her. And as far as her affection to him towards him, uh, you know, never meet your heroes, right? So uh, she spent. You know, a couple of weeks trapped in the Millennium Falcon with Finn. I'm sure that killed any sort of uh, romance. 
Never go on a road trip with someone until you're sure you you're they're the one. <laughs> um, Angie, uh, anything that you want to talk about that we haven't talked about yet? I mean, yeah, we've touched on a lot of it. Um, I guess just one thing briefly. Um, I I like that this movie um, maybe put to bed the talk about Leia not uh, Leia saving herself in the Last Jedi. She she, she oh, did her training. Yeah. She did her training. Um, I I played Knights of the Old Republic. There's all sorts of fun force powers that don't get shown in the movie. I'm totally fine with that entire scene. I always was, to be fair. But for the people who complained about it, shut up now. Um, and then, yeah, we talked about the dagger. Stupid wayfinder. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I think we've touched on everything I wanted to talk about. Yeah, I mean. Um... Yeah, I, I had real problems with people that complained about that in The Last Jedi because I'm like, 20 years have passed. We can assume that she's learned to do some things with the Force, okay? It's not really it's not really that huge of a stretch that she would have done something with the Force. Ask Luke I, to teach yeah, her something. Yeah, I also you know? liked that they give an explanation to why she didn't become a Jedi herself, why she backed off. And whether you agree mm, with it yeah. or not, or, I think it was cool that they addressed it, that there was an explanation that I bought in universe, and that it actually showed up again in the, in the film. That she, yeah. she, when that lightsaber got used, that resulted in the death of her son. But it wasn't, you know, wasn't necessarily a bad thing. That was how he was redeemed. Yeah, no, I mean, I, you know, I thought that that was fine also. I mean, for me, it was never a problem because even in the EU, the thing was she learned a little bit from Luke, but, like, basically she was so involved in politics that she never had the time to, like, you know, devote herself completely to becoming a Jedi. So I was I was always fine with the idea that she did some training, but, you know, never went all the way. Um, but, uh, but yeah, um, one thing that we haven't talked about yet, which... Um, I thought was amazing was the the fight in two locations uh, between Ray and Kylo Ren uh, when she's on the planet and he's in the Star Destroyer. Oh, that was a pretty cool scene. That yeah. was really so was. cool. <laughs> that was that was like that was like one of the best fight scenes, and I love the idea of like them just like smashing up the places where they are, <laughs> and everybody's like, "What are you doing?" You know, <laughs> and only they can see and interact with each other. And again, I think that that's one of the things that that has happened in these last two movies: this idea of the force connection between the two of them that I think is so fascinating. I really love how they played with that you know, whole idea of, you know, them being able to interact in different locations and even be able to, like, transmute objects from A to B uh, through that, that was force amazing. Bond. Like, uh, that, for that foreshadowing with, like, the spray of water in Last mm -hmm. Jedi all the way to everything that happened in Rise of Skywalker. Woo! I like, mm -hmm. yeah, like I like I just kind of pictured, you know, some stormtroopers sitting outside Kylo Ren's room, and ju <laughs> like just listening to like the room getting trashed and be like, oh, I guess he's throwing a fit again. <laughs> he's having a well, yeah, they, They've already shown it before, like where the two stormtroopers just like go the other way in the Force Awakens, like because he's throwing a tantrum and they're just like, nope, and they just turn around and go the other way. <laughs> uh, so I was like, everybody cool with the goats? Like, what was up with that? You know, oh, like, so, so they're on the Star, or the uh, Star Destroyer, and they have to get to the, uh, the thing that they, that they're trying to get to. And, and they're like, oh, well, jam their speeders. And like, well, they're not on speeders. And, and like, how did they just not instantly lose the fight right there? They're riding goats. 
into like a laser battle. <laughs> I thought they were more like horses, but okay. Mastodons or something. I don't know. Yeah, right. yeah, they're now larger targets that don't give them any more speed or durability <laughs> or anything. Like, how did they just not instantly die? I got the impression that the sensors picked up a certain amount of metal or perhaps weaponry, which the horses wouldn't have, so they couldn't see them on the sensors at all. Oh no! Like I'm talking about, like the mm. like the fight itself. Like they bust out on these horses or whatever they are, and it's like, okay, well they're not on speeders. They have worse tech. It's the Ewoks all over again. <laughs> maybe, maybe, <laughs> Eric. Eric, we've talked about this before. There are plenty of examples in history of a less technological force that defeats a more technological force. Not it in an happens. hour. I they realized said, it, it takes on paper. Years. <laughs> <laughs> I realize on paper that it looks like it shouldn't work, but it does. And, and all of those examples include a vastly uh, lopsided distribution of forces. You, know, you can't take less people with worse tech and beat more people with better tech. You just can't do that. Even if they are stormtroopers, you know? But not if you have a home court advantage oh. like the Ewoks did. Because they knew that terrain. <laughs> Yeah. I, I actually think you're wrong historically like see the war in Iraq and Afghanistan and the American Revolution and I mean I don't think that's actually correct at all all the years what you about, can have about, less, about like, less technologically advanced like... and fewer people and still win yes because if the if the oh, oh I'm not going to history nerd out but if the if you're, all you're trying to do is fight somebody who doesn't care as much as you to a standstill, then you, you can do that. It depends on what type of – there's a difference between an insurrection and like a, a straight-up battle. American forces never won uh, a fight against the British in the revolution without overwhelming uh, numbers. Uh, in the equal number of forces, we didn't win against the British until the, 18, until the War of 1812. Which we actually lost. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> until that's Andrew Jackson. You know. I love that we're debating this in a world where people can shoot lightning out of their fingers. <laughs> that from the horses. I, they, they were force sensitive horses, and that's. <laughs> Finn was with them. That's why they won. Finn was like projecting his force, you know, uh, powers out. There's a term for that, and I forget what it is, but it's a thing. It's in the book. Or if you buy my theory, the empire, the emperor, lost his battle meditation, so everybody got taken out. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, uh, God. Oh, Eric. You'll just never let the Ewoks go, will you? I will fight them till my dying day. <laughs> Jub jub. That's all I gotta say. And and given their record, I'll probably lose. <laughs> <laughs> and then they will eat you. you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Alright, so so we've got Star Wars. We finished the Palpatine saga with episode nine. Um so, you know, they don't have another movie announced yet. There's a lot of rumors out there. You know, Ryan Johnson said he's still in talks with Lucasfilm to do his own trilogy. You know, uh, Kevin Feige, they said, is going to produce a movie for Star Wars. You know, you know, people have sort of said, like, oh, he's going to move from Marvel to Star, you know, to Lucasfilm. We don't know if that's true or not. All that's been confirmed is that he is going to produce a movie, um, a Star Wars movie. So... 
Um, you know, obviously they've pulled back a little bit from the one a year thing, and that's probably because of the the backlash they've gotten for you know Last Jedi and then Solo not doing as well as they expected. So, what do you think they should do with Star Wars, and what do you think they're likely to do if those aren't the two the same thing? Um, so let's start with you on this one, Ryan. Uh, what do I think they should do? Um, well, I'm still wondering. Yeah, like you're in charge of Lucasfilm right now. What what should they well, do with Star Wars? Obviously, we need an entire trilogy of Maz Kanata explaining how she got the lightsaber. <laughs> um, <laughs> but short of that, you know, yeah, I mean, I would go. I would. You you need to just this era of it. People have said it before, but you need to just forget it. Let's go back, you know, thousands of years to the Old Republic and you know, Knights of the Old Republic or something like that. There's plenty of Kathleen Kennedy. There's plenty of source material you can mine for that. Um, that or maybe uh, just something else. You know, there's plenty of other galaxies where the Force would still be a thing and exist. Um, so it doesn't have to be you know, this, this area of the galaxy of that galaxy that we already know. So do star Wars, but do it in a different time or a different place. Um, and yeah, just be done. This is where I, to go back to the last Jedi, be done with the hereditariness of it, the, the nepotism of it, where everyone has to be, um, related in some sense and it all has to be connected do broom boy I'm, you like, know? I'm thinking about once upon a time as yeah well, exactly you know everybody doesn't have to be related come on disney you keep doing this but i, I will say like they've had better luck with their trilogies than they've had with their standalones mm-hmm. i loved rogue one but um solo uh-huh, uh hit or miss um so plan it out do a trilogy but for god's sake have a unified vision from beginning to end from all three movies for it Mm. yeah um you know it's funny because you're talking about like other galaxies and whatnot you know one of the things that like i think about in sort of like my worst case scenario dreams is them being like you know it's no longer a long time ago in a galaxy far far away (laughs) it's here and now and like we have like a ship crash on earth and it's like you know somebody like you can use the force to like some like high school kids or whatever and like somebody trying to do like a like a cheesy like uh teen movie with like you know jedi and stuff just like no i mean (laughs) et was part of the senate Oh. There's like a serious look of horror on my face right now. <laughs> but when you think about the fact that like Disney has this franchise, you know, theoretically forever and ever, and in the fullness of time, all like scenarios will be tried out. You know that that's coming someday. <laughs> uh, you mean Patton Oswalt's movie? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, yeah. Uh, so Angie, what what do you think uh, they should do with the Star Wars franchise? I mean, um, I will second, I really enjoyed Rogue One. Um, and I, I loved that it had, you know, it, it didn't involve the Skywalkers or their immediate um, relations or friends, right? You told a story, it existed in the world, it had recognizable things going on, but it had nothing really directly applicable to the main story except for the very end, which also the, the Vader appearing at the end of Rogue One was so much cooler than Vader appearing at the end of the prequels where I distinctly remember everyone in the theater, including myself, sinking down into their seats and then cracking up laughing, which is not the reaction that you wanted. Um, but that said, I think you can 
you can make these original stories. There's so much world building material out there. And if you have to have a connection to an existing person or whatever, do it the way Rogue One did. Don't have it be vital to the story. Have it be a cool little Easter egg or cameo or bit at the end or whatever. Um, I also would love Knights of the Old Republic. I think if they wanted to make like a Revan trilogy, I would watch the hell out of that. So, yeah. What do I think they're going to do? Unfortunately, I think they're going to mine young young whoever till they stop making money. So never. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Juliet, where, where do you think they should go with Star Wars? Give me more Mandalorian, all the Mandalorian, all day, every day. <laughs> and then other than that, I agree. Let's go mm-hmm. with some original characters or let's go with something. Knights of the Old Republic would, would be fantastic. I hate to say it. Um, I actually really enjoyed the Republic Commando book series. So something like based around those guys would be fantastic because it took clones and gave them personalities. And we ran off and they developed lives and everything else. We brought in Jedi that didn't have any connection to anybody else which was beautiful but the the universe is huge and that was a big part of you know this last trilogy was the fact that the force doesn't belong to the jedi alone all right let's go explore this well it would be interesting to do something like even the books and again i haven't comprehensively read all the books and comics but they've introduced the idea of like uh different races that have tried to like harness the force with technology and things like that then that would be interesting to sort of play with the idea like you know creatures like perverting the force or using force sensitive as batteries and things of that nature and that that sort of stuff could get really like interesting and and gritty so anyway um ryan what were you saying i didn't even think about the tv shows but i would love for them to do a rogue squadron uh adapt michael stackle's stuff (laughs) You stole that from me. (laughs) I've been saying that for decades. I'm sure you're not the only one. That would be a perfect TV format. I I just worry, because either you have to get rid of Wedge or or recast Wedge, and neither of those is is palatable to me, but yeah. Um, uh, Eric. It um, could be animated. If it's a series. Well, that's true. That's true. But yeah, I I always said like doing an X-Wing series because that's something that you could do within a TV budget. You know, like, and I've, I've, I've long said that that was like something that they should do to get Star Wars into. This is even before Disney bought Lucasfilm that I was like, Lucasfilm, you know, like this would be like a great idea of doing, um, you know, a series. So, um, yeah. Um, Eric, what do you think uh, they should do with Star Wars? Well, Knights of the Old Republic has been set to death, so I'm not going to go into that. But uh, uh, a little bit the the <laughs> the uh, the Star Wars animated series are really good. Clone Wars was good, you know. Rebels, uh, uh, you know, they can do more animated things at a much smaller budget, and they're great. You know, if they want to keep it connected to the original stuff, you know, talk about like what Vader's does. Uh, immediately after Order 66, you know, not all of the Jedi were killed and he spent a lot of time hunting them down and, and taking them out. That would be kind of cool for them to go into. Or, or you know, take it in the, in the opposite direction. You know, don't go thousands of years into the past. Go thousands of years into the future. You know, like, you know, everything there is completely untapped. You can tell any kind of story you want and not piss anybody off because it's it, it's so far in the future that you know what's already been written it is you know ancient ancient history by now mm-hmm. 
Oh, what Star Trek Discovery is doing, yep. <laughs> or, or um, yeah, take Ewan McGregor and do something with him. I don't care what it is. Make him Obi-Wan and do something. Uh, I, I think they said, didn't they say that they're doing a Disney Plus series yeah, of Obi-Wan? Yeah. yeah. Yes, that's already gone, been greenlit. Yep. So, yeah, that, that is going to happen. Okay, well, I predict that's what's going to happen. Then. All right. <laughs> <laughs> starring Ewan McGregor. Right, yeah, starring you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it seems like it'll get a little boring with him just sitting around Tatooine waiting for Luke to grow up. Oh, how's Luke doing? It doesn't even oh. have to be Obi-Wan <laughs> Kenobi. No, just, just a show starring Ewan McGregor swinging a stick around and making lightsaber noises, and I will watch that. <laughs> Could have Obi-Wan murder a few sand people to show it wasn't just Anakin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, actually, um, between you and Ryan, you guys kind of stole mine because it was going to be X-Wings and um, then also... Because, yeah, I, I would prefer they go further in the future, like you were suggesting, Eric, just because I want as much of the EU to remain, like, uncontradicted as possible. And so if they don't go back into the past and start contradicting stuff, I can still, you know, like, take any of that EU content. This is what happened back then. So, you know, I I, I, I would kind of prefer that they go forward and go, like, you know, 500, 1,000 years into the future and be like, this is the new saga of what happens, you know, years later, and no one's even referring to the past, except maybe they mention, like, oh, yeah, the dark days of Vader or whatever, you know, or Palpatine, just, uh, you know, reference it, or, you know, Luke Skywalker, you know, the, the Jedi, or Obi-Wan, you know, mention them, maybe. But. Like, I remember reading a comic book uh, a long time ago that was set way into the future. Like, the main character was still a Skywalker, but he was so distantly removed from from Luke that, you know, it like it wasn't even the same thing. And, like, that was kind of interesting. And it, it, it'd just be nice to see them do something with it. Juliet, I saw that you mentioned that you wanted to bring up that you wanted Thrawn to show up in a live-action yeah. movie. <laughs> well, he's a fantastic character. He's been brought back into canon. His first trilogy of novels uh, in the new canon has been brilliant, and I'm really looking forward to the next one that's coming up in May. So I would love to see that. Also, I think I just actually mentioned this briefly. You give me anything, give me a series or a movie based around Warner Herzog's character in The Mandalorian. I want to know what this dude has been up to and how he has gotten this way and what his fixation is on the child. Well, that I'm hoping that'll be explained in you know, season two. It's fingers crossed. <laughs> but you know, I realize now what we need is Rogue Two, just so I can watch Mini Bothans die. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard the joke about that? That that instead of like that being like Many Bothans, that's actually a character named Manny Bothans. <laughs> It's just like one guy, Manny Boffins died trying to get us these plans. Oh, no. <laughs> and like he didn't even like die heroically or anything. He felt like tripped and fell in a garbage compactor or something. As a name, I think it has too many syllables. <laughs> Clearly not yeah. more sensitive, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, so yeah, no, I, I think I think there's a lot of potential here, and it's why when people were speculating that Feige might move over to Lucasfilm, I was kind of excited, because I just feel like Kathleen Kennedy doesn't have the vision. And, and I want somebody with an actual vision and a direction to 
take the helm. And, well, you know, Feige's... Clearly, she doesn't have the vision if she can't see the entire expanded universe right. sitting in front of her. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay, man, I can't believe I'm doing this. But to go back to the five-minute controversy and whether or not you have the source material, I mean, Feige had... 10 years ago, he had Infinity War planned out because it was in that source material. There's been nothing in the expanded universe of that magnitude that you could build up to over 10 or 15 but, years but, and 22 I mean, movies. But we're not, we're not talking about doing like two or three movies a year. We're talking about maybe doing one movie a year of Star Wars, or if not that. It doesn't have to be as big as Marvel was, but it needs someone who can recognize a good story when they see it and know that you've got to lay the groundwork for the stories. That's what I'm looking for with Feige, not for him to do something as big as Infinity War, is for him to understand, like, you know, finding the story and then, you know, understanding that if you build the story up over time and have a direction, that you can get a much better payoff, you know, and that's and that's what I don't think Kennedy gave us, because as we already know, these movies were, were, you know, were just made up as they went. So, you know, there was not that, that sort of strong through line that you have in the Marvel movies. <laughs> I don't disagree, you know. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So everybody's kind of chatting, for those of you who can't see our text chat over here, about Giancarlo Esposito. And that's, like, basically saying, like, I just want an amazing actor in a movie. Because, yes, of course, <laughs> Giancarlo Esposito, I like the you know. That the, sto- that the troopers are, like. No, this dude just—he he just shot one of his old men for interrupting him. I want to know more about that dude. <laughs> or just a, give me a movie of the stormtroopers. I mean, you know, they're the, let's go into the moths. I mean, there's was obviously more than right. Tarkin. He yeah, was he grand, was a grand so. moth. <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> or maybe a movie exploring, you know, the hut culture. Mm. Ooh, mm. interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of places. I mean, we're talking about a whole galaxy, right? It doesn't have to center around Tatooine, Coruscant, you know, like the few handfuls of planets we've already introduced, right? You know, you could go anywhere. Uh, I, I don't think we've really explored Nebula. <laughs> Excuse me, it must involve a desert planet of some kind. You know, investor. That that was that was the uh, God Naboo. <laughs> Maybe the Emperor sent one of those like dark uh, star destroyers out, like you know, as a test run, just to just to test their planet destroyer tech and, and got Naboo. One can hope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. I think I think we've kind of come to the end of this conversation. We're bringing up Naboo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So um, why don't we say goodbye and let people know where they can find us online. So Angie, why don't we start with you? Say goodbye and let people know if they can find you online. Um. Goodbye. And no. Have a nice day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and Eric, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you online? Well, bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. Uh, I My blog is uh, clanmccrackengaming.wordpress.com. All right, and Juliet, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you online? Bye, everybody. Um, I'm on Twitter as the underscore visible underscore elf or on Instagram as Rumi Elf, and I am happy to debate about how awesome Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker are all day long. <laughs> all right. And Ryan, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you online? Well, I will never say goodbye to the internet. We're uh, in a committed relationship, whether it knows it or not. Um, you can find me online. Sure, go ahead. Go to geekstranger.com. I haven't checked it in a month, so but I think it's still up. Um <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, and Twitter Geeks Ranger. It's certainly out of date. It's not completely out of date. I mean, I li- the last time I posted something was before Dragon Con, and yes. I literally said something like, well, I'm going to do a three-part on st- – because this was right after the Force Awakens trailer dropped, the first one. And I did an analysis of that and of The Mandalorian, and I never did the third one on – Obi-Wan, the Kenobi, Obi-Wan Kenobi series. So yeah, it's a little out of date, but you know you what? Mean, you mean Rise of Skywalker. You said The Force Awakens. Oh, see, but... <laughs> it hasn't been updated since 2015. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do mean The Rise of Skywalker, but that's, you know, one Abrams movie is just the same as the other, you know? <laughs> 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 I mean, but yeah, so internet, you can feel free to find me there, but your best bet if you actually want a response anytime soon is Facebook. All right. So, um, Eric, Angie, Ryan, and Juliet, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It was a blast. No problems. And that's a wrap on Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. We hope that you liked the episode, and you can let us know if you did in a variety of ways. One way is to email us at everything at 42cast.com. Another way is to tweet to us at 42cast. You can also go to our Facebook at facebook.com slash 42cast. You can also go to Instagram at 42cast, or you can go to our website at 42cast.com and leave us feedback there. You can also leave us reviews on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. The Apple Podcasts ones are of more value from an advertising standpoint, because the more of those that we get, the more Apple will promote the show. So I appreciate that. But also, I'd really love some feedback, so like uh, more directed feedback on specific episodes, things of that nature, even more general feedback, emails, the website, Facebook, any of those methods are good for that. So just let us know in any way that you can. I also wanted to let you know about the ESO Patreon. It's a way of contributing some funds that you may have to the entire network, help us keep all the shows on and going and, and you know pays for you know websites and storage of our media and all that kind of stuff. And you can find that at patreon.com slash ESO network. And there you can just see the different tiers, what you get for the tiers, exclusive shows, uh, exclusive episodes for the different network shows, early episodes for some network shows. So just check that out. And if you've got anything that you can contribute, it would be really appreciated if you did that. I also want to mention my other podcasts. There's Time Streams, which is where my friend Juliet and I are going through all of Doctor Who from the beginning and talking about it. So you can check that out on Time Streams. We have a lot of fun talking about the episodes. And you don't even have to watch them with us because we explain everything that happens in the episode as part of the podcast. So if that sounds like it'd be interesting to you, you can watch the episodes or not. Uh, you'll definitely get more out of it if you do watch the episodes, but it is not required because I know some people have a hard time watching 60s television. So. Just listen to us, listen to our banter, you know, hopefully you'll enjoy it. The other thing is Legendary Forces, where uh, five of us from the ESO Network and a few other places, we're going to come together, we're going to talk about all of the Star Wars fictional media starting from 1976, and just going forward, I mentioned it at the beginning of the show, so hopefully it's out now when this one drops, but I'm a little unclear on the timing, so it might actually be in a week or two from when this one drops. But just keep checking for it if you don't see it right now, and you'll hear us talking about a lot more Star Wars, talking about the original Star Wars Marvel comic, talking about the novelizations, talking about the holiday special, and all the different novels that came out. Yes, there were novels even back then, original novels that weren't based on any of the movies that came out. It didn't start with Heir to the Empire. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about all of those. And so you can check that out and we'll give you our recommendation on if any of it is worth checking out now. So look for that.
In con news, I'm still planning on going to Chicago TARDIS. It looks like Dragon Con is a go, so I will not be at Dragon Con. If it was going to be a virtual con, I would definitely be able to attend that. And it's still iffy on C2E2 because it's only two weeks after Chicago TARDIS this year. It's going to be in December. So that's going to be a kind of rough schedule, and I'm not sure that I'm just going to have the energy to do C2E2 after Chicago TARDIS. So keep you posted on that as we get closer. I know Beth really wants to go because she wants to do a Ray cosplay from Star Wars, but we might just have to table that for another con. But yeah, that's it for this week. Join us back next week when Victor Von Doom will not be joining us. And until then, this is Nathan signing off. You have been listening to the 42Cast, copyright 2021. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. The 42Cast is a proud member of the ESO Network. has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.